0: Welcome back to the I Am There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have two-time YCS champion. He won right after me, actually. Nazar Sarhan, one of my favorite duelists, and honestly, what I would consider to be one of the hardest opponents I've ever had in my Yu-Gi-Oh! career. Nazar, how are you?
1: I'm all right. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, So you you stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh! a long time ago, I feel like as well. I think we both quit at some point, right?
1: For, for different reasons, but yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, well, why did, why did you stop? I, I stopped because the game I'm, just wasn't good anymore to me.
1: Yeah, I stopped because Konami wasn't uh cooperative with me. I just got, I got banned a few times and that kind of takes you off and shows you the real world. And yeah. Hey, this is what Yu-Gi-Oh is like. And this is what life is like without Yu-Gi-Oh. And then, you know, you experienced that. I experienced it twice. Um, well, after you that, you were, you were banned twice. Life. Yeah. Twice.
0: I don't, Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest here. I I guess I just completely forgot that you were ever banned. Um, I don't even know why you mm-hmm. like. Do you want to elaborate on why you were? I have no idea, like why you were banned or anything.
1: Of course. Okay, so I'll say about the first time. First time, um, you were there. Uh, you 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 should remember this. Um, it was at nationals. I think 2012. Um, so
0: this is and what what is I, the next there? Was 2012's nationals. Final-
1: Final, final Countdown is one of the decks okay. uh, you played to wind up. Remember, you went undefeated on the first oh, day. Oh,
0: this is 2013 then, right? Is that 2013? No, I mean, 20, that is, is 2012.
1: 2012, yeah, because 2013 is Dragon Rollers. Yeah, um, and I scrubbed out the tournament, and the the new plan was just to find people and hustle them, right? And we had Iron Man's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say to people on my team, but we, we sat down, we found some chumps, um, and uh, I beat the first two people. I was the first one because they wanted – th- th- my team wanted it to be quick. They said just put Nazar in front and let him win and all. Because and, I, I, I'm really good against bad people. Yes. So they said <laughs> – yeah. I love that. Yeah, they, they said, listen, these guys are like, scrubs, put Nazar first. Let's get this. So I'm on the third person up a game. Um, and there's a big crowd watching. Uh, and at some point, a judge just comes by and tells both of us to come to the back. Stop the match. Come to the back. Through the black curtain. Yep. Um, and you know what that means.
2: Oh, 100%. real quick. Essentially. Uh, yeah.
1: So I, I go, you know. From- real
2: quick. I wanted to clarify. Essentially, you guys are just playing like random games of Yu Gi Oh! You're no longer in tournament, right? Uh, Technically, yeah. Yeah. So you guys are just like playing random games of Yu Gi Oh! and a judge came and stopped you and told you to come in the back. Well, yeah. We we are playing random games of Yu Gi Oh! but it's me playing random games of Yu Gi Oh! So that, that means something. So, yeah, yeah. No, but I, w- try- I wanted to. I, I wanted to clarify because, like, already this sounds pretty unfair and unfa- like, like Why is a judge stopping oh, this yeah, random no, we'll, game of Yu-Gi-Oh?
1: I'll, I'll talk about judges in a second. Uh, I can't so wait go to ahead, see those guys.
2: Um, oh man! But
1: yeah, those, uh, <laughs> like the, the crowd is maybe thirty, forty people watching. So that once that many people congregate, then it gets attention, and then people yes. start. A judge comes over and starts asking, and then it takes one slip up, of one guy saying, "Oh, it's an Iron Man," and then the judge says, "What's that?" And then he goes, "Essentially, they're playing for money." Then he goes back, reports back to some, I don't know, some big fat old head judge and it comes back and then (laughs) they snatch us, snatch us, go to the back. I talk to um, some head judge probably and, and I tell him, oh, he was talking shit. We were just playing a match, this, that, that guy, I don't know what he tells him. Uh, He might've told him the truth. We were playing for money or whatever it is. Essentially what happens is uh, he gives me a, a form, right? A disqualification form. Yep. Uh, I fill this out. I say I was playing the guy for money, whatever, uh, playing the guy for fun, not for money. Um, so they said I'm DQ'd, uh, and I leave, but I tell my friends and things like that. I'm like, I'm probably gonna get banned for that, especially because of who I am. Now you're already
0: out of the tournament Um, though. You are fully dropped from nationals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go and, uh, partake in organized crime while I have something to lose. Right. Right, So I'm not going to do that while. I'm in the tournament. Now, I know the risk. I know what, what could happen. I did it <laughs> and we we were there. When once the judge came over, I knew what it was. Once I saw that paper, once I saw the big yeah, judge come yeah. over that, I knew what it was. You know, so the writing was on the wall. Um and so I'm hanging out outside as a cafeteria and stuff. Like we're doing that all day. And I noticed um the other guy, the opponent, is still inside. Oh. And he didn't even get the Q. Yeah, no. that was. That was a big that was a big indicator of how how I was like wow they're trying to make an example out of me. Right,
0: you're the YCS champion um, here, you're the the name, right? Yeah. And then you're so the that, one that's that, that was
1: like a random 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 guy. Um and I come back the next day and if you remember the the venue, there was a second floor. Of okay. that where the vendors were. Yes,
0: I actually uh, I remember. There. I know what you're talking about. It's Columbus, what? Ohio, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. And I'm on the second floor chilling because there's nothing else to do. My Some friends are in tournament, some friends are still in the main event. I'm just up there looking at cards and stuff like that. There's an interview with one guy, deck profile, et cetera. Yep. um And eventually, uh, I don't know, I'm there for an hour or two. eventually, like four or five security guards and uh, what was Dan Posey, I think it was his name. Is that, that is that right
0: That is the guy Dan Posey used to work for Konami back then.
1: Yeah, the, yeah. Um, the fat white guy, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He came
0: up.
1: He's usually, yeah, yeah, whatever he was, that guy came up with like four or five security guards and I'm like 16, 17 max or something like that. And I'm just like four or five guards pulling up on me. And, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm shook. they're like, you got to leave now. This I was like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. And then I, I left, um, left the building actually because the security guards were trying to really press it on that yeah P- press it on the part where I have to leave the actual entire building couldn't go to the cafeteria or do anything like that um long story short I left out the front door they security guards left I walked back in walked to the cafeteria um played in another iron man and and, and <laughs> won that one. Oh my God. I, I, I sat down, I sat down first again and, and and didn't get up and that was that was bad I actually I, I feel bad for it because like they don't know who because like what happens is it's three of my friends that aren't known. Go. We have a fourth friend that's going to come, and then the the four randoms don't know it's me. And then <laughs> and I, and I see and I see them fidgeting around once I sit down, and people. Th- then their friends are like already assuming the first guy's going to lose, and then they start um, altering their deck, main deck and side deck, try to beat mine. And things like that oh to, like, God. It, I so, know, like
0: i know what you're depth talking depth. about yeah they're like maining yeah, for the, for the matchup and shit
1: yeah yeah so like there's no deck list and it's just all gentlemen's agreements we hope no one cheats anyone and no one's playing anything cheesy like final right. Countdown or something Exodia uh, ftk right, right so uh that was my weekend for that um
0: okay but before you go any further let yes. me really quick i just want to give a shout out to our patreon uh this is going to be probably the wildest episode of the I Am There podcast I'm, that we've I'm ever had and i did not expect it to already start popping off like this so i just <laughs> want to get this out the way now for the people on patreon you can watch this episode the video version we have exclusive content on our patreon check it out you can also gain access to our discord server uh but i always give a shout out to you guys so without further ado uh Connie Austin Leon Quest Garen Xavier Hylian TCG Automotive Tyree Tensley Dimitri Barnes Alexander Brissett Vinny Casello Giovanni Avalos Alex Flamer Henri Reynolds CJ Dub Dad One Saul at Dabras Gaming Cafe and also the owner of Dank Ritual where you could buy Yu-Gi-Oh accessories. Uh Dan Vrabel, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, First to Home, Dalis Fernares, s.akuma Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safirdes, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey. KJ, Biz, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, Scott Polera, Hanzo, our two-time national champion and the only two-time national champion, uh, and Vincent Zen. Thank you guys so much for supporting the I'm their Podcast. All right, let's get right back into it. So this is the first uh, time you got Ben. This is 2012. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. You, you're right. I was undefeated in Swiss. First time yeah, and we, only we, time we talk, I ever did that.
1: Talk at the end of day one. Um, I remember I told you the news and stuff like that. Is this uh, the so video then, yeah,
0: with the guy from Texas? Is this the is this that one where you like play for money or something? And like, some no, is the different. black guy no, that,
1: that, that that event um, that wasn't for money when the when the dude cheated me? We'll I, I get to that. That's another okay. story. We have so much. Um So so uh yeah, I have my right hand man Sean with me at all times. So, yeah, you know, Sean Cooper. Yeah, he, he's he's in and out of the event, telling me this that. He's, he's one of the ones that told me, "Oh, your opponent is still there." Him and his crew was still sitting sitting around, and I'm like, "Wow, okay." So they didn't get DQ'd. A month or two later, um, I get the news I'm actually banned. I'm on the list, and I remember Sean figured out the guy's name, and he's not on
2: the list. Not them he putting was, out banned list for people. Yeah, so so now
1: <laughs> now I'm now I'm sitting here looking at this information of I'm banned, he's not. Yeah, what's the difference? Before yeah, did. I
0: was about to say you guys did the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. So, so, because whether I'm lying or not about doing that, you can't, you can't play for money at it. Yeah. No
0: matter how, like you can be it's honest about cash. it or you can lie about it. You still yeah, did it. it right? it's
1: especially the cash. So he's not banned. I am. And I realized at that point who I am matters now. My mm-hmm. name mattered in this, in this realm in this, your world, it now matters right. to, at least, at least to, to the, to the Konami judges, at least to them. Cause they, who, in the banning and the banning happened because of that. Because if I was just a random person, it wouldn't have been like that. If I was another, it was random versus random, and the crowd gathered. No one would have said anything. No one would have done right. anything. But because it was me, so I knew I had to tread lightly from now. I knew my name carried some kind of weight. So how long did
0: they give you on. initially in 2012? One year. And we played each other in 2012 when you won your second YCS. So have you won your second one at this time or no?
1: Um, I think so. I yeah. guess.
0: I guess Dallas would. This is so. This is after Dallas. So you're already a two time YCS winner at this time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. I, think, I think this Nationals, I also got flown in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause was, yeah. So this was probably just a few months after the second Dallas.
0: Okay. So this is Dallas. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Nazar and I have a crazy history, actually, in Yu-Gi-Oh! We played each other before either of us won uh, in YCS Philly 2010, I believe. Me and you played each other randomly in like round four or five, both scrubs um good i man. i didn't top i don't i don't know if you did. i don't think you topped the ycs the no no it
1: was it, it was quite quite amazing actually we played round one we played um, round one okay the Light- holy shit the lightsworn mirror uh, and it was I a lightsworn, mirror. light-sworn. For people that knew me i played lightsworn before i played like good decks like 6am Ryan. Right yeah i played lightsworn um and i played it a lot and i got good at it and I could tell you, you weren't really like yeah. too accustomed to it. And I
0: definitely wasn't. I picked it up because yeah. McCabe... And, and, and I got it to
1: a certain style and, and, and tuned it enough to where it could keep up with the new meta decks and stuff like that. I think you played it because Judging Dragon beats X-Sabers or something like that. Yes, and, and that McCabe had
0: topped with Lightsworn. That was his one top. At, well, he topped a lot, uh, but his first top was Lightsworn. And I think I was trying to follow in that like idea of, oh, well, this deck, you can just sack it out and it's really powerful when it goes off, like pretty much JD... No matter how good the opponent is, once JD drops,
1: you're all the same. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's probably the most powerful card. Yet.
0: Yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't yeah. what I would call good at lights one by any means.
1: Yeah, so because I, I noticed it, it seemed shaky, things were in the mirror that yeah. you would quite understand. Because I, I played it enough times that all I did was play lights one, so I had an advantage there. So <laughs> I, I scrubbed. Um, I believe I day two, but I scrubbed. Um,
0: I scrubbed and, obviously.
1: And then you you win the next one.
0: Yep. McCabe then, also then, real quick. I McCabe went, got third at YCS Philly that that
1: that was astonishing because I I love how the legacy is so big from the one event for an entire group of people yes and then I remember reading that and hearing about it and Sean was actually a gravekeeper player yep um, like OG like Sean Cooper yeah okay, and and he was a little excited about things like that and but he also played Samurai and (laughs) Samurai just got a new set and it was hot and I'm reading the cards and stuff like that, and I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. Look at the list from Japan. So uh, I get, I, I'm like, yo, Sean's play this deck looks really hot. Gateway seems broken. Um, Sheen seems really good. Uh, Roll tribute's really good, but Gateway seems a little crazy. It's so probably
0: I, one of the most powerful decks, in all, like yeah. especially at that time, it was so outrageously more powerful than everything else.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I attribute a lot of my success to just picking the right deck for the most part. Because yeah. people weren't playing that, and some people weren't even playing free roll tribute. They were just playing like people were playing like black wings.
0: Yes, yeah, I actually you played know? against and, black uh, wings G-Wings, a couple times. was so
1: better than black whirlwind. I think black whirlwind might have been at two or something. I don't even remember. But, yeah, uh, Gaywin was an at an three when you won, though, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, Gateway
0: was at no. three. Uh, Kuzan, or whatever his name is, Akizan, the guy that's like 1800 special summon himself.
1: Yeah, everything everything was at three <laughs> in my <laughs> deck besides like Rhoda and like Solemn Judgment.
0: Did you make any yeah. like meta choices with your deck? Was it like well tested? Yeah, or...
1: absolutely. It was, I think that's what made it. I think I was the only samurai player in the room not playing Book of Moon.
0: Okay. Book of I mean, Moon was trash.
1: Book of Moon was really trash. And but like people didn't actually understand why Book of Moon was so bad in samurais. And I looked, I, I, you almost look like a fool when you, when you are against the grain that much and you're singled out.
0: Yeah. Well, I, um, trust me, we, me and you both know, cause honestly, all of my success has come from pretty much trying to do something different, right? Like trying to go against the grain in Yu-Gi-Oh! I think it's been my most successful times ever playing Yu-Gi-Oh! just like doing the opposite or doing something different than what everyone else is doing.
1: So, so the way, the way I practiced, I never really tested like that against people. Um, cause that was too easy. People were too bad yes. and it, it just didn't really do anything. So what I would do is I would sit down in my room for hours a day and I would draw a hand of five or six, whatever. And then I'd put my opponent on the play and they would have the nut opening in a realistic deck. They would go, she and set three or something like that. Right. and I don't have to be able to out that. I did the same thing in other formats. And, I, and sometimes when I would go first, I'd take my real hand and then they would have the best hand for my hand. I would say, I would need to have the best cards and the most consistent deck to be able to perform every single time. So when I get into a situation in a real duel and it's obviously they, they don't just draw the unreasonable nuts, like all my opponents that I'm making up do, Right. Um, it's a lot easier. But what, what was like that was I noticed in, in my testing, when I played book book was bad in every situation. When you're playing Samurais, book of Moon's a great card in the format. It went to one after um, I won and I played zero.
0: I played three, uh, I believe, when I won.
1: And, yeah, and it made
0: it made sense in that deck, though. It right? made
1: sense because booking your own spy was great. Yes, in Samurai's, there's there's no reason for you to book their monster because beating over it didn't matter. You didn't have a Shira or any kind of shura esque effect right. to, to benefit from that. Nothing you really had piercing. Um, it was bad against frog monarchs because every monarch just gets value, right? They highest yep. your Shian, you book it. Doesn't it feel great. The Mobius your back rise at this doesn't it feel great. So what did you play uh, instead? I'm guessing three warning uh, maybe. Uh, I think I was ahead of my time, Upstar Goblin. You were playing Upstar Goblin? Three. What?
2: Let me get a round of round wait, of applause from my wait, boy wait. right You're here. Telling me before Let me 20, get a round of applause from my boy right here.
0: You're telling me that you are one of the, probably one of the first people, honestly, to win in modern, at that time, modern, I'm going to use the word anyway. At that time, you won with three Upstars. Now, people attribute Upstar Goblin to Patrick Hoban. I'm sure you know that. They mm-hmm. give all the credit to Patrick Hoban. I think even I said it on this podcast probably multiple times. I never knew that you played Upstar Goblin in your deck in 20, 2011. This is 2011 we're talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good in the deck. If you knew how to sequence, if you knew how to rota and smoke signal and gateway search prior and knew what you were looking for, if you knew the map, you knowing how, when to draw the card and, and when to not draw the card. Uh, so it's not even a 37-card deck. It's actually more manipulation than that. It's not like you just... Draw upstart goblin and it automatically goes to the grave. They gain a thousand. You draw a card. No, there's there's other times where if you play it in the right sequence, it's more equitable than just upstart goblin. Right, after. you could make yourself okay.
0: Conda have a high chance of drawing a trap. Card. Yeah, you could be like, listen,
1: I only have one piece of Sheen. I need to upstart first, or or vice versa. You have both Sheen uh, parts in your hand. You want to Rota and Smoke Signal first, get those in, and then upstart and hopefully draw not one of those two, either a trap, right. a Gateway, a United, etc. Right, so you would know how to use those. So it's it's actually better than a thirty-seven card deck. So even when Hovind was talking to that, I, I don't know if he actually elaborated, but it, it it has more equity than than just a thirty-seven card deck. Yeah, that's actually crazy. i never secret. knew that.
0: And yeah. how many how many warnings did you play in your main deck?
1: Three. You three did play three.
0: three. Okay, a lot yeah, of people. I, was, I only say that because a lot of people did play two, and I think that that, that was really, a mis- that was a mistake. That
1: was a big mistake. A huge yeah. mistake. That was the best trap card to flip. A lot a lot of games were over when you just went Sheen. With a bunch of keys on to the grandmaster and set one solemn warning, and that was it because they would try to do. They would go activate their own things, try to do the same thing, either miss one black rose, etc. Try to out your and you flip warning on the first guy, and the game's over. Yeah, and and that's that's how it really went a lot of the times. So the life points were negligible; nothing really attacked directly. Um, once your board was broken, you probably lost anyway. So life points were just irrelevant.
0: Okay, so yeah, you played you played two of the counter trap as well. I'm looking at your deck list now. I actually just pulled it up. Uh, So you play two of the counter trap, Musakani, uh, Magatama. You play one Solemn Judgment. That's a staple, obviously. Mirror Force is in your main deck. And then two double-edged sword technique.
1: Yeah. Uh, Notable things that aren't there um, besides book were trap, dust shoot, and royal oppression. And those cards were like ban-worthy and in a lot of decks. And I I, I decided to not play. Because when I go second against the guy that has the nuts, dust shoot and oppression don't do anything.
0: They're terrible. They're actually and awful
1: cards. It, it sounds really good when you're on the play and you have them, but being on the play was a gift enough for me. Yeah. Um, so when you when you're playing a go first deck and then you start adding more go first cards like oppression and trap dust shoot, it's it's not only it's not only it's not only gonna be inconsistent when you're going second it's gonna be such an overkill, it's gonna be so so much more than what you need to be doing. Because if yeah. you're going yeah, if it's you're the going con- the end with a bunch of guys next to it, and you need to set thus shoot and oppression, like it's
2: it's a little bit too much. It's, it's the concept of win more. Like yeah. those cards oh. don't help you win, they help you win more.
1: Yeah, in that deck. Sometimes oppression. Yeah, makes,
2: yeah. In that deck, yeah, exactly.
1: Royal oppression was necessary in other decks like Gravekeepers and Share. They don't but they don't they don't go gateway and summon five guys in a turn. Yeah,
2: so, but in no, that it, deck, they didn't help win they helped win more just yeah, so like lot, how yeah, book of moon lot, was good in the format but not good there make right deck choices
1: and that's what it came down to because there was there was just no reason to be playing book um because it, you can't save your own monster because she face down sucks and if it, if Shein were to die you could let her on the samurai die anyway so anything like that book would make you dodge yeah uh, she protects himself anyway uh there's nothing you want to run over there's uh, nothing you want to book on your own creature. It just what what was it good in, and was it is it good against gravekeepers? What are you booking? Is it good in the mirror? It's it's just going to force a she negate gate, or if they have tag Mushi, that eats the the book. So essentially, if you're not going to use it for protecting your own guys, it's just a trap card. If it's just a trap card, it's it's only going to set the monster. I'd rather deeper's and mirror force warning. Um, but I don't know that that seemed to me like the biggest. The biggest thing when my opponent had the nuts book never came up good.
0: Ever. So that's how you test. Because I think it's actually interesting that you gave us your testing method, which I've heard of testing methods similar to this. And I actually used to do one. So my testing method is obviously play against people sometimes, but I also hate people. So just like you, I think most people are bad at Yu-Gi-Oh, right? And testing against them doesn't help unless they're really good. So when I would test, it would always be McCabe and Silverman and that's it. Like, all of my Mm -hmm. testing that I would do before YCS would be either those two, because, and what we would do, we wouldn't even really play the game for real. We would kind of play almost face up. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to beat the other person because that's not important Mm -hmm. here. Like, I don't care if I can beat you. You don't care if you can beat me. We're trying to win the event, right? So -hmm. at the end of the day, we like play face up. If we make a misplay, we just go back and fix it. But One of the things that I would do by myself is definitely pull out my deck, shuffle it a lot, and then draw five hands. And then I would do this other thing where I would lay out, if my deck was 40 cards, I would lay out every possible hand. So like literally five, 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 all the way down until I hit 40 cards and see if every hand is playable or decent after a shuffle and keep doing it. And when I would see like weak hands in that um, assortment, I would say, okay, some of these cards need to come out because this hand's a brick, like two of these Mm -hmm. hands, two out of eight of these hands are bricks right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you get, you get, you get eight hands, uh, and they're all five cards and like literally look at them or if it's six, you know, if it's six, draw six cards or whatever, but I always look at like five and just make it even and see like how many of these hands are playable, how many hands are terrible and what's making them bad. And then the other thing that we would do is if a card wanted to be tested, instead of literally say like playing a million games until you draw it, just put it in your opening hand every time. Like I'm going to open with dust shoot every single game going first and then going second and see if I win every single game. I'm yeah. going to open with that. So like yeah. we have different testing methods, but I like your method of like, you literally take your deck and you would just shuffle it and draw and see like, okay, this hand is ass. And it's because I have book of moon in it, or this hand is ass because yeah. I don't, it's, it's, I don't have enough traps or whatever the case may be.
1: You, you had to, you had to do that because playing against bad people, you win anyway. Yeah. Right. Being good. Cause I already got good. I had to get better and be able to beat them when they drew the nuts and had to get better. That's why I played like six hand traps in my second ounce. The only way I lost was when I would lose a dice roll and they would wind up and, and rip three four cards, either, you know, a uh, magician shark or yeah. tour guide shark reborn and stuff like that. They used to go nuts. Um, so
0: for the first win, right, the six samurai win, how many mirror matches did you play in Swiss? Do you remember? Was it a lot?
1: Yes, um, a whole lot. Uh, and I only lost one.
0: Who, who was that guy? Did he did he top or?
1: <laughs> it was Jerry Jerry. Oh, okay. Jerry Jerry. All right. I don't believe he, I don't believe he topped, but yeah. Um, okay. That was my that was my uh, one samurai loss. Well, I mean, probably like six or seven. I, I played. I, I played probably like six day one, um, and one day two.
0: And then, uh, were you X one or, or X two after Swiss?
1: I was X two. Uh, my other awesome. loss day one was to Black Wings, but I got his ass back in the top cut. I got <laughs> whether it was top 32 or top 16, because um, one of those guys was Georgia Orlando playing Samurais, uh-huh. and the other guy was the Black Wing guy that beat me.
0: And you, you trashed uh, the Black Wing guy in top cut.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's what it was. I actually got lucky. I had a no-show the first round of day two. <sighs> okay. So I had a high. So that was cool. And, and then, then I beat the near match, and then I think top 32 was Georgia Orlando. And um, who's in the finals yeah, with you in this one? The finals was Trey Massingale playing grave fevers. gotcha i want give a, I want to give a small shout out to Joe. He was um one of my rivals as as you were. he was one of the people that were actually good um but my testing, yeah my my testing came up um when they had the nuts because I won game one because I, I won the die roll, and then game two, he does what I do, but I'm able to like pop a plant and misworm him on the first turn and then Jeez. take it over and throw him. Because you have to, to actually learn how to how to beat. If they go gateway, Shien, all these things, you need to be able to beat that. Yeah. You can't just you,
0: be like, every time they do that, I lose.
1: Yeah. 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 So you, you have to actually be able to beat. And that's why you needed three warnings. The fact that there wasn't three warnings in every single deck that wasn't like frogs is crazy. Because in the mirror match, the gateways just stay, stay around. And every time your opponent summons a samurai, you get counters. So what ends up happening is you have to clear their board and warning the first monster. Once you're warning the first monster, they can't summon anything else. Yeah, um, it's just so GG. Even if they have like 12 Boshido counters and search three guys, it doesn't matter because everything's in their hand. They're about to get attacked for game. So that's essentially what happened to Joe. I just kind of public-planted something, made something happen, set a warning. He summoned a guy. I flipped warning. Nothing else mattered.
0: Yeah, your opponent actually, Travis Messingale playing Gravekeepers. I mean, he probably just obviously used the list that me and McCabe had played and mm-hmm. for the last YCS, but he only played yeah. two warnings, for example. That was crazy. Uh, and another guy who got top... He top eight it, uh, Salvador Froilian or Froylan. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mispronouncing your name, but he top eight it that Dallas event that you won in 2011. And he's playing Black Wings with two warning. So there's a couple people playing two warning, but then the top four is you with six Samurai, Travis with Gravekeeper, then two other six Samurai players, Arnold Alvarado and Daniel Carlos, um, hmm. and they're both playing triple warning. So
1: yeah, that, that's that's the correct way to be playing. Anything yes. like that. something? Is, the life points don't matter. If you drew three, you probably won the game anyway. If you were able to get a board up, yeah. Life points never came up. I never sided any of them out, even with some judgment in your deck, because you, like you, the game might be over at the first one. You just go to six thousand and they offer a hand take, Really?
0: That's so wait, you said you never sided out, right? Warning, never. So even if you go second, yeah. that's Okay, correct. and your side, like I saw, had like puppet plants and cyber dragon, smashing ground, bottomless, dust tornado. Um, across out, Kinetic Soldier. So, I mean, it looks really solid. It's everything here
1: completely checks out. My my sideboards are usually never really exotic. My tech is most of the time is in the main deck. Yeah. Uh, One big card that uh, I might have also been the only guy in the room playing um, was Anishi, Sheehan's Counselor. I see that in your Uh, deck as well. Yeah, that that was um, for the time because Chaos Sorcerer was... That was just just as good as Chaos Sorcerer was um, because of what it did, the functionality of it. Uh, because like I said, I I always put my opponent on the play and they go Shein set warning. Um, it's going to be hard if they go shien with a gateway and like four other samurai, it's going to be really hard to beat that anyway, if they have a warning. Um, but what you would do is you would shien, they would flip a warning and then you would need to have a Nishi to kill their Shein.
0: Yeah. You're
1: the
0: only only one in top four playing a Nishi too. I'm looking at every list right now. Uh, no one has this in their main deck except you. So
1: yeah. I, I assume I, I assume people just didn't really test. They just kind of took lists and said, "Let's play this and this." And I'm just reading all the cards, and I, I'm I'm willing to play whatever it was as long as I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, things things like Yaichi later made a contribution to the sideboard and things like that. Um, Anishi was good. Anishi was really solid. It won me a game in top four. I believe it was a mirror match. Um, about the life points, I think he flipped three warnings, and then I just summoned
2: a, a, an Anishi and attacked for game. Real quick, I want to point out something that you said. You said, I assume some people didn't test, they just took a list. That's probably half true. I think another thing is, you said this earlier. You said you were already good. You already learned how to be good. Now you needed to learn how to be better. Or like That's why you set yourself up for, like you made like these perfect situations that were hard to get out of, and you, you grinded getting out of those situations. A lot of the people that were testing, they were just testing to f- essentially figure out how to play the deck, figure out the plays the deck had. A lot of those people may not necessarily have been deck builders, where it sounds like you, not only did you test to like get out of really tough situations, you also tested and, and really were good at tweaking your deck build yeah, and figuring out things on your own things. without neck decking. I'm
1: I, I went. I, I'm very good with the percentage points and numbers when it came to sequencing and things like that. That's why I liked Upstart Goblin. I played Upstart Goblin and uh, another deck I played. Um, and a lot of the things come down to what does your deck want to do? and how often and how consistent, and what's your goal here in this game. In this deck, it's 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 essentially she or nothing. Um, the other cards are way too mediocre. You're not going to win there or, like some. <laughs> yeah, <in laughs> you, ain't you ain't lying. So if you needed to make a she n, and that was your only way of winning a realistic game, you had to make sure it was, uh, it was as consistent as possible. So three upstarts and knowing how to sequence help it all out. And like I, I did the same thing Frazier did where you make – the eight hands of five cards each, what turns are playable. Once you learn how to sequence and know what you're supposed to be doing and you add upstarts in there and it just becomes so much more fluid and the hands are so much better. And the thousand life points is so negligible anyway.
0: Yeah. I like this. I like this a
1: lot. Uh, I also didn't know. I'm surprised it took so much, so much from Hoban to make the card stand out. I feel like the card should have been really like people played 40 anyway. Yeah, and then you could play thirty-seven, and if you know how to play the card, it's thirty-seven with more percentage points because you know how to sequence. I agree with you a hundred percent. It was always good. It, always good. it, it never had the. Uh, I don't know. People uh, were people Let's, like were people just not like, oh, this card's bad because my opponent gains life points. I don't th- that's, know what the
0: mindset was. Honestly, I can't remember why we never played it because if, that you, now, right?
1: if you yeah, it like is. Is. if you, you
0: if you think about it though, Nazar, so my deck right pretty much every deck that i've ever played that didn't run upstart should have just been running upstart yeah like even the gravekeeper deck can be corrected the 2010 gravekeeper deck could have been better if we just put three upstarts because we wanted to so you said she and her bust my deck was royal tribute or bust like obviously i could beat you straight up if i just necro valley your plant deck because plants suck against necro valley but realistically my real goal is to play duality or play a Lore and draw into um or not lore, but play, du- play Duality and then thin my deck out and try to find Royal Tribute, right? That like That's the okay. whole goal of the Gravekeeper deck. Yeah. It's the, it's yeah. the auto-win. It's guaranteed game against every deck. Mm-hmm. So Upstart literally just makes that happen more often and it's good going first and second and how you said you thinned your deck out before you would play it, we could have done the same thing with Commandant. Like, discard him, search yeah, out Necrovalley.
1: Yeah, you could, have, you could have gotten some, like, real fun combos where it's like you discard Devil Com- like Commandant and then you yep. spell it back, discard another one, you got all three of the Necrovalley's out, yep. and then you... And then you power duality and see an upstart goblin now, and then you're sequencing correctly. The deck's thin. There's no more necro valleys. I did the same thing with um, uh, Evil Swarm with Ophion. I would thin out things and then allure. And it, it was it was it, once you learn how to do it, you, you draw a lot better. And it seems like it, it turns out um, your win percentage does go up once you have the big enough sample size. Yeah, it's really it, it really worked because because my I when I look back at it now. I understood why people called me a cheater. My, my numbers were so crazy. My, my records were – I was too consistent with decks with like six vanillas and Samurai sometimes didn't even give you a, a first-term play. It seemed way too consistent. I agree. It seemed way too good. I'm, I'm, I'm going undefeated with six normals on my deck. <laughs> how is he doing that? How did he make it – I actually played 41 in that deck because of that. So I knew how to make it go from like 40 with three upstarts to even more than 40. So depending on the deck and how you want to do it, because you don't want to draw the finals.
0: I'll say this. I've played you many times now in my life. And I said start, at the start of this podcast that you are literally one of the hardest opponents I've ever had. And I've played against every pro in the game's history. Everybody. Billy Brake, Patrick Hoban, Jeff Jones, literally all the big names I've played against them. Um, and I have a pretty decent record against everyone I've ever played, except you. Like, honestly, I think you are the only person out of the really, really good people or people who I would consider really good who has a crazy, like, hard record. Like, my record against you is just not good. And I think that Mm -hmm. every time I play you, not only does our, like, our match in top eight of Dallas. So, this is your second win with Rabbit. And I think we both Mm -hmm. said that whoever won that match was winning that YCS,
1: right? Like, Uh, we looked, we looked, we looked at the rest of the people within that ring. And it's no shade,
0: but like, the other six people did not matter for that particular tournament we both knew whatever one of us came out on top of that ycs or in that top eight match was winning the tournament obviously you won and then you won the whole thing and it's crazy because i always think about that that could have easily been my second win only because i opened up game one the nuts like i opened mm-hmm. up rabbit tour guide everything and i think you rabbit tour guide to me you wanted to die roll rabbit tour guide to me and then i you know i got cracked and then yeah. i won game two you win game three um i definitely Look at you! as just one of those people that I don't think you did anything crazy in my match. I don't think there was any like suspicious thing that happened in my match. I know that there were rumors like you just brought up, but every time I played you, it just seemed like you genuinely just knew what you were doing, and you also don't draw bad.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that—that's how you win. Right? Yes, you, you have bad. your deck. Uh, ha- I, your deck I, has I, to be yes. good, right? I, I engineer the decks to draw as well as possible. Yes, which
0: is which that, is a big part
1: in yes, winning Hard quality um and deck choices was really really weird. Um yes. did you play BLS?
0: Uh and Rabbit? Yeah. I think I did.
1: Okay, good. Cuz people like Jojo Orlando, which I played in top 16, played like Macro Cosmos and not BLS in their deck. And I'm like, yo, BLS is probably the most powerful card in the room at yeah. all times. You know, this card shouldn't be off of the list. And it, it it's one it, it's hard to lose a game that you actually draw that card and it's castable. So And people just don't have that card in their deck. And I'm like, that's crazy. I'm just getting free auto wins. I have so many cards in my deck that are so much better than my opponent's cards. And other people are playing bad cards. I think that's what attributes to most winners' success is how good the deck actually is. It doesn't actually come down to the gameplay every single time. If your deck is just better. You look at Desmond Johnson, he was never good. He just copied Hoban's (laughs) list every single time. And the card quality
2: was great. Not him catching a shot two episodes in a row. Two episodes in a row. He just caught a shot! I literally
0: brought, I swear to God, the last episode we did uh, with (laughs) a Yu-Gi-Oh guest, which was it? Uh, TJ Kinsley, right? So in the TJ Kinsley episode, I jokingly, but also like half serious, brought up the fact that one of the people with the most tops in the fucking world, maybe not as much now, because like back then, 20 used to be an insane number of tops. And Desmond had like 20 tops or some crazy shit. And I was like, no offense, but Desmond's not the best player by any means, but he's so close to Patrick that he has the best deck every single event. So, like, if you just have the best deck every event, you can definitely top almost every event, and that's what he was doing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. Especially, like, him telling him how to play the deck and things like that. Fundamentally, yeah. he'll be there. He wasn't a bad Yu-Gi-Oh! player at all. Yeah, I'm he's not, not bad. I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade on him. I have but before he
0: met so Hoban, and he but... will tell you this, before he was really hanging with Patrick, he used to play the Karakuri deck. Yeah, I remember that. And that deck is just not—it's not—it's not not it. It just wasn't it.
1: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think he topped something with it. He did.
0: He did top something with it, but that still doesn't make it okay.
1: (laughs) Because what's funny is he looks like one of my friends, we made fun of him for that. Desmond Um, looks looks like one of your friends. Do you know Kenny McCarthy?
0: Of course, I know Kenny McCarthy. Are you kidding? Okay,
1: good, good. Because Kenny, Kenny, you'll be hearing this. I love you, brother. Um, (laughs) he looked like him in that interview he had with us. We made fun of him, so I knew who I knew who he was. He started messing with Hoban got the goo every single week, every week. Right. And, and started, started topping it here and there. Um, bro,
0: he doubled, he, we, we could combine our tops and Desmond back then would have just been like, yeah, I got like twice as many as y'all combined. Like he was out of control.
1: Probably. How many do you have anyway?
0: I think after everything is said and done, I have 22, but if you don't count, if you do not count ARGs, I think it's 16 or 17,
1: 16 or 17. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I think I have five, I, I have five or six ARG tops. And then the other ones are all Konami because I know people like to get all weird about the whole ARG and Konami thing. So I have 22 total, uh-huh. but if you take away ARG, I've have, I've have like 16. And I know I have okay. 16 because what did I, I saw something recently? Oh, it was a uh, Patrick used to do a list of like the top players in the world based on number of tops, right? So he would have like your tops and your wins next to your name. And hmm. I remember I got a Facebook actually just showed me the picture today, this morning. I should have saved it. Facebook showed me a picture this morning that uh, was me reposting Patrick putting it in zodiac duels on so one of those pages and it said a fraser smith 16 next to it and then like wow. adam corn had fucking like 33 or something crazy
1: you know yeah yeah if you uh, play for a long time um if you're good listen you you can win a lot uh, all you guys are listening that aren't winning a lot man you practice yes more. also
0: more. so we both stopped i stopped playing six years ago so i stopped playing 2016 yeah. 2017 uh I think 2017 was like the last event I even went to, but I really stopped playing like 2016. I was done. I was on my way okay. out. If, if you
1: want to delve, if you want to delve into why I really stopped playing, we could get back to. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things.
0: I, well, now you're making yeah. me realize there's so many things I do want to talk about with you because you're mm-hmm. such a fucking interesting person to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: It, so first of all, I, I want to say that on the note of, cause you mentioned people accusing you of cheating mm. and you mentioned the fact that your decks were so much better in a lot of situations, better card choices. I want to say back then it's possible that, you know, especially without the Internet, there's less access to talking to people and hearing what goes on in their head. Listening to you talk, um, you talk in a way that it's very clear you know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh. I get a a similar vibe to when I remember, and all the Yu-Gi-Oh guests we have on here are all top-quality, top-caliber players. Um, But similar to when we had Patrick Hoban on, I'm getting a similar feeling where when I was listening to the things Patrick Hogan was saying, I was like, man, like he really knows what the fuck he's saying. Yes. And I'm getting a similar feeling from you. So I, really I wanna good. say, you know, it's possible that, you know, whether or not you cheated, I don't know. I don't I don't really know you, but I'm assuming you didn't. And um I'm i I'm assuming, like you said, like you were either so much better, had so much better deck choices that people were like, he must be cheating. So there there was there was a few a few traits I had. Um, I'm parallel to other
1: people. I was, I was, I'm probably the best Yu-Gi-Oh player against bad people. Where a lot of I of them, love. I love that accolade. <laughs> he keeps saying I, it too. I, I love, and that I low key,
0: I, I low key feel lead. like this motherfucker is throwing shade at me because no. again, he, no, no, he's no, one no. of the I'm only people.
1: Really to to
0: people. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say because you keep saying I, that and you beat me a couple a times. Range.
1: I have a very big range when it comes to that because I'm very good at evaluating my opponent's skill level and then playing accordingly. Okay, where where everything it was just it, it was just pattern recognition uh, to the sleeves, the way he shuffled, the way he talked, how many cards are in his deck. Yep. The way he presented everything, his dice, his calculator case, you knew that. The, a $400 spell ground and a $100 calculator case, you knew this guy meant business. Yeah, like hey, he where you, from. you know, the, hey, where are you from? Oh, we're in Texas, but this guy's from Florida. Oh, this guy flew in or drove yep. in. He took a serious thing. If he was just local and it's round one, he's probably a random. He's probably going to suck. Yeah. I right? agree. I do the if, same if, thing. If, if I'm 4 and this guy has a calculator case in the mat and, I've, I've, and he comes in and he's clean with it and the shuffle is right and the PC whites are, are clean, I'm going to assume. <laughs> and the PC gonna whites. Assume, yeah. I'm going to assume this guy's a little bit better at Yu-Gi-Oh, right? I'm going to assume that I can make a better read on this guy because the reason I was so good against good players was because the better you are, the more predictable you
0: are. Yep, You're make I agree better. so right? fucking much. It's so much easier to beat good people.
1: Right. And but when you when you then because because given any certain situation you might do something different against a different player in the same situation. Yep. Because he's doing something for a different reason than this guy was doing it for. So I knew how to if they were bad, and man, they would make I would make they would they would have because I learned it at locals and I would lose at locals and I would realize that oh these guys are really bad and impossible, just impossible to read. Yeah. Where where I'm going. Uh, they're going like, set a monster, set two back rows. And I'm thinking, okay, Heavy Storm. Their two back rows are Torrential Heavy Storm. And I'm like, damn, this guy was trying to do something crazy. He was probably going to go flip Torrential. That's Sangin, get a Spirit Reaper or a Rescue Rabbit or something yep. like that. Flip Pro Heavy and then go off with either a plus one with the Reaper or have a, a rabbit onto an open board. And then, like, his face down monsters is and not only that, he also has Gores in hand. Right? And, and that, that, that too, he can also have it too and you wouldn't even know. Because against a good point, player,
0: they would never fucking have Gores in hand in that situation, but I've played against so many people, especially on Dueling Book and Dueling Network or whatever, um, where you would get rid of their back row, like they would have like a pression set and call it a haunted set or something crazy like that. And you're like, okay, well there's no way this fucking guy has Gores. And then you attack directly and they have Gores and you lost the game. It's insane. It's like, yo, this guy's so fucking bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like that, it's like that. It's, it's actually, it, and, it, and it works the other way. Where if you're playing that's a good player, you could convince him you have something like Gores.
2: Yeah, where yeah. it's like you can't convince like, a bad player shit because like <laughs> they don't, they they're, they're not, they're, they're reading. not reading that far ahead. So,
1: so like, let's say Frazier, you go, you go like summon. We're playing Edison or something. Yeah, summon, sum, you go summon Thunder King, set a back row. I go draw to six, set a back row. Go, you end phase MST. My back row is MST. You think I have gores now. A hundred percent. Right? And a hundred percent. Right. And, and and the bad player won't, and he'll swing in and I won't have it, and I'll never have it. Yeah. And that'll be it. But I'll be like, okay, if I let's say you went like power Duality, uh CMST, get it, summon Thunder King, set one or two, and I set just MST, and you end phase MST it, you're gonna absolutely think I have gores. If you're bad, and I wouldn't even have gores. I would just set MST and say, go. And I'll be like, Frazier's good. He'll let see my back row and see it's MST and realize I have boards. And, yep. I, won't attack.
0: and I literally won't attack. And I, and I will never attack.
1: It's easier to play against the good people because they don't want to get punished. And you could bluff a situation where it's like, hey, you'll get punished if you do this. It's it's almost like playing uh like a cash game at a, at a like low-end casino. You're playing like one, two stakes. You can't bluff the, the bad players. They don't care. They won't take a read. Yeah. So all, all these things will will teach you how to play against the bad players, the people that are decent, and then the the pros. And the pros are the easiest ones to read. They'll make the best play every time. They're sitting there thinking about it. They're making the best reads. And then everything everything you know about that when they sagan search when a pro sagan searches, I more likely know their hand and the rest of the contents of their hand than than a bad player. Yeah. Because a lot of the times, a lot of the times, they could disguise it. Because they didn't, they didn't get, they didn't search rabbit. Their plan was to kill, uh, my mylagia, and then play tour guide, and then uh, Leviar get my rabbit back and keep all three rabbits in his deck so he could top deck it later. And then that those percentage of points matter. Yeah, um, and true. all those things come up. And and people, but people don't actually. When when I see people play and test and things like that, when I do it privately, because I don't I, I, at the time, I, it was just between me and Sean. I had a lot of plays. I only gave him. Um, because that was it was just me and him out on a team, really. So was, I have a question. Uh,
0: so you yes. you are a deck builder too, then? Yes. So like the decks that you played in one with, and the decks that you've taught with, and stuff like that, and you've had success uh-huh. with, you you literally made those decks.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever net decked something and never tuned it. At least, but yeah. I've never I've never really taken someone else's like forty card main deck and said, "Oh, this is perfect." I, 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 I don't re- I don't ever remember doing that. So yeah, this is perfect.
0: It. Yeah, no, this is interesting cuz I never knew I always knew you were good technically cuz I've played again, I played against you many times and you were just very difficult to beat. Um, you're not hard to read per se, but you're doing things that are annoying. You know how just like you play against somebody yeah, really yeah, good yeah. and they're just annoying because they know what they're doing. They're playing very close, very clean and very, very cl- I, I can't catch you slipping is what I'm saying. Like it's hard. Yeah,
1: I I don't recall me misplaying um yeah. once I got to a professional level. I know everyone says they misplay and things like that. I haven't caught a misplay. I've read over my future matches. Told other good people, hey, if you catch something, let me know what you have done different or anything yeah. like that. And it seems pretty pristine. But maybe when I'm on the spotlight, I just I'm really focused and, and zoned in. Yeah, laser and focus. Everything, everything just has to be very pristine.
0: Yeah. So, techni- I always knew you were good technically, but I never knew that you were also a good deck builder. Honestly, I don't even know what I thought about you like building decks because obviously, if you're winning YCSs, you have to. Someone's making the deck. Right, like that's the that's the big part of it. Like you made that yeah. someone made that deck. Somebody oh. chose to put fucking Anishi into their deck. Somebody chose to put BLS into their rabbit deck. Right, yeah. Like, so
1: that, 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 things were like clear to me, Um and there was a pattern. Um Like when the samurai cards first came out, striking Neos, and they printed um six samurai united, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which is pot of greed, and uh, gladiators assault. I think had a graceful charity kind of thing, and they were they were going on this theme these banned spell cards could be played in the decks um, that are respective to them. So like six Samurais get to play Pot of Greed. Uh, gladiators get to play this bad chariot and things like that. And I'm yeah. just looking at the card like, oh, this is Pot of Greed. And then I look at Nishi, oh, this is Chaos Sorcerer. <laughs> and years later in my head, I'm like, why aren't people playing Chaos Sorcerer? Isn't that card ban worthy? Isn't it on the ban list now? Why is that not in people's Samurai decks play one and, if you make a sheen it's live. If you're not making sheen, you probably lost anyway. Yes. So having this card in your deck as a one of is kind of a freebie. Um I guess it was bad against Necro Valley, but like
0: who cares? You beat that matchup though. That matchup they, is actually if, in. if they
1: didn't roll a tribute out of your hand, you're already blessed, right? Yes. So I'm hmm. not I'm not too I didn't play Griefkeepers at, at Dallas
0: because, because that matchup was so abysmal to me.
1: Yeah, it was it was really Even yeah, going yeah, first, I, I didn't like that matchup. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no way. There's, no, it, royal tribute doesn't even bail you out because they might just have a bunch of smoke signals in Rota.
0: Yeah, and stuff. that has happened to me. I've literally played it, against somebody whose hands was warning Magatama, smoke signal, Rota, and like literally no. I'm like, what the fuck? And then they just OD on me.
1: That, that's why the deck didn't always give you a game. It, it it drew like that a lot. It didn't have a lot of monsters. Um, yeah. So it, it was just good against. I was gonna. I, I wasn't gonna put a card. I wasn't gonna not include a card because it was bad against a good matchup. It was good against the, the guy that had the nuts. You Also
0: just full disclosure here, your deck only played 13 monsters, it looks like. And that is less than Gravekeepers. And Gravekeepers, I think we played 14 monsters. Yeah. So you actually will survive a royal tribute like better than my deck, yeah. which is crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like
1: maybe, maybe come on yeah. the Commandant like bails you out a little bit here and there. A little but, like, bit, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't it, it, it was it was engineered to i made the list to try to beat the mirror because that was like in my eyes the only thing that could actually compete black wings were too mediocre but if they opened whirlwind instead of one yeah. you know they could beat you yeah so but i engineered it to beat those other decks book of moon was bad against everything um it was okay just to get a, a she in the gate off but at that point it could have been any spell that did that because so, smashing ground soul so i have a question Yes.
0: So we're talking about like, you know, a lot of success and stuff. And I want to know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about us playing at round one, YCS Philly 2010. Mm -hmm. This might have been. Yeah. So we play each other and YCS Philly 2010. And I think you said that you were a scrub at the time. Obviously, I was Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, But we both win back to back after that. Like I win the next one. You win the one after that. At what point do you think that you became a good Yu-Gi-Oh! player, though? Like when do you think it happened?
1: I, I thought, okay, so I used to go to locals as a kid and I was playing gadgets and stuff. I, I couldn't afford teledad, yeah, But I would see the people with the $1,000 Teladad deck miss playing because I would lose to the deck and learn what it's doing. And they go malicious, activate teleport, make a stardust or a cross Fighter or a thought Roller, or whatever it was. Yeah. And I would learn the plays and the sequences and I would lose to that most of the time. I was playing Six Hammers at the time with Great Show and Shein. And if I would get lucky and and maybe it would decay them if I drew the nuts or whatever, I would yeah. sometimes do the games at my locals. Um, but I would see them and I would watch the top tables and I would see like a Teladad mirror and this, I, I just see misplay after misplay. This guy's like 4 0 at the local and I wish I was 4 0 at any point in my life and I could never <laughs> do it. And I'm watching this guy misplay and it's just because like his deck's so powerful so he's winning because he has Dark Arm Dragon in his deck and he just makes egregious misplay after egregious misplay, loses <laughs> to somebody. Fuck this like, guy. Dude, Whoever this I guy have, is, fuck you. Now, and, and, and he had the resources to win the game, I'm pretty sure, because I was like, if I was in your seat, I would win. And then I started to think to myself, Am I better than this? Because I used to think the people that were talking to locals were just better than me. And then I realized, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, yo, listen, my last point that I did this to me to tell you I wasn't doing what you're doing. And he's losing, and he's misplaying, and he's – he. I, the most egregious misplay was he he summoned a malicious in attack mode and ended his turn one turn because he thought he had a teleport or a or something like that. Dude, and What? Yeah. So just um, bad.
0: Just blatantly bad. Yeah. But he has money. Yeah, yeah. He has well, money now. Well,
1: you know what it was? You know what it was? He went, set teleport, was ready to pass. Then he went, look at his teleport face down, get malicious from the grave, summon it from the deck, and then try to flip teleport. And his opponent was like, you just set that. And he was like, okay. in the Mali, it was just in attack mode. And then he just <laughs> passed and lost the game right then and just there. Just terrible. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm like, these guys, and, and I knew that, like, it, the, the quick play spell route. And I'm watching these guys be really bad. And I started thinking to myself, hey, am I just good with a bad deck? Which and is possible. Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at it like and – and I'm playing people with Samurais, and I'm losing a lot because the deck's bad. And then I, I I had one guy I knew. I was like, hey, can I – would you mind if I used your deck um, just like for a fun duel against somebody else with another that deck? And, I, and I'm going about 50-50 with the guy. And this is a random scrub that, that just goes to uh, locals around me. So I, I'm, I'm as good as the random dude with that, but it's just that powerful that's propelling him to win. So – as time goes on, and I'm spending more money on cards and decks, and I start making better decks that can compete with Um, I'm getting a little better, and eventually, eventually, I get to Lightsworn and because it's cheap, everything got banned or is at one, and it's it's like you said before, it's powerful enough where if you're lucky, you'll win games. Yes. So – and with that deck, there's a lot of sequencing. There's a lot of soul recharges and charges and rota and things like that. And I played a lot of Pot of Avarice and things like that. So a lot of draw power. So I learned how to sequence with that deck, got as good as I could with that deck, and I was winning locals. And that didn't mean much, but I won enough where it seemed like, okay, I'm better than the people at my local level. Yep. And regionals I would go to and scrub, but I wouldn't really take them serious because – you you top eight and you get like a $20 mat and you spent like 10 hours there and you spent 20 bucks and it did not really feel worth it. So I never really took those serious. I went for fun and stuff like that. Um, Eventually, um, you know, I'm going to locals. It was, it was toy was where Sean used to work and, you know, a samurai set gets announced and I'm telling Sean, yo, this, this shit looks hot. Let's play it. Um, I borrow the deck. He borrows the deck and we go to Dallas. We've tested this and that. I made a list. He made his own list um and what happened happened um and then at that point he was he was so enthralled by that he he then made his list whatever my list for charlotte was he made it he copy and pasted it i love that i love that and he was he, like fuck
0: this my, my yeah. friend just won a ycs he clearly knows what he's doing better than not do so i'm just gonna play what he's playing and there's nothing wrong with that some people are not good deck builders and i'm one of them like i'm back in the day I just wasn't a deck builder and thank God I had, you know, good deck builders around me because deck building is not easy. Um, again, I pride myself on being a very good technical player, even though a lot of it, honestly, scary to some people is is just free. I'm just freestyling. Like I just, I kind of learn in the moment a lot, which is, I guess, one of my like abilities is that I'm really good on the fly, but for the most part, I'm just a, a really, really good technical player. Like if you're bad and you make bad plays or you just misplay, I'm gonna capitalize on it, like every mm-hmm. time. I'm gonna destroy you if you misplay. So, like, yeah. if you're not extremely clean, which is why it's so hard to beat you. If you're not extremely clean, you're going to lose. Okay. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. But yeah, so like, you know, you're you're one of those people that you can deck build as well. And then your friend Sean, Sean Kuver, um, yes. shout out to Sean Coover, He then wins the next YCS after you.
1: Yeah. So it was it was amazing because you and you have your Sean, right? Yes. Your white <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah and then i I go and win one and all all we did was quite sean we so gateway went to one and warning went to two so i i cut a warning for a roll of oppression those cards were similar enough and then i cut a gateway for a double edge because that card was explosive so it added some explosiveness to removing gateway and then i added book of moon um because plans started getting hot and it was good against debris dragon so i added book of moon and it was the same. The other not you books.
0: adding book of moon after shitting on it for thirty minutes.
1: Well, yeah, the <laughs> um, gravekeepers got hurt a little bit, and then like yeah. plants. Came out. It was good against debris dragon, but no one really played debris dragon at Dallas. So yeah, I think There'd I been, think Charlotte
0: was the event where Dragoonity came out too, and I think yeah, it and was, book
1: it, was good against them. Too. It destroyed. We so the book, um, and actually, it feels like it feels like a dream because. I actually didn't lose a match and he didn't lose a match until he lost to me, which is the guy that made the deck. And I'm the guy that just won the last YCS. Yeah. So his one loss in tournament was to me. That's uh, absurd. And, yeah. And, and my one loss was to Paul Cooper playing empty jar and... That's like an FTK cheese deck. There wasn't much interaction. You, you go Sheehan, he plays a guy over it, and it's in the grave, and then he just...
2: His moniker, isn't isn't his moniker Paul Empty Jar Cooper? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, his- was that yeah, Top cut? That was Top 8.
1: Oh, shit. I was, I was undefeated in Swiss. I, I didn't lose a match. So I, I won a YCS, then I didn't lose a match, and then uh, get a Top 8, and then I lose to that. So on that event my life points never even hit zero in a match twice so that never happened i never got beaten in a traditional way i just kind of got ftk'd and decked out um oh so there was a
0: chance you were going to win back to back
1: yeah i was gonna win back to back uh wow and the second one was going to be undefeated um
0: oh well the rumors would have been so bad you might have gotten
1: banned right there the deck isn't as consistent as i make it look but it is that consistent if you're good enough. There's a lot of th- if you knew how to sideboard. I had oh my god, I had I had a friend citing out things like six samurai monsters. You only played like thirteen, yeah. And like I would just see like a Kagumusho or a Kageki in the sideboard of like what are you doing? And
0: this is back uh, when people didn't know not to side out their engine. Now I remember yeah. this is a time when people. So I think side decking is still hard for people, but you don't side out your engine. And this is a time when people, like Kenny said, the internet just wasn't what it is right now. Like, right now, there is so much information out there on the mm-hmm. internet, on YouTube and all that mm-hmm. stuff that Yu-Gi-Oh! players of the modern era can use, and they still don't, but they can use. And when we were when we were young, like, and you know, in our days of topping and stuff, th- that shit didn't exist. Like, you got some troll channels or whatever, but we didn't have great resources for understanding how to actually side deck correctly.
2: Yeah, you could net deck the deck and the side deck, but nowadays, you can find a video that'll say, like, when you play against this deck, this is what you side deck. Yeah. And, like, that didn't exist before.
0: Yeah, or now they have fucking actual people on Metafy training you and teaching you literally how to play Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: Like, some yeah, of the best think, players
0: now do that.
1: I think I think a part of my success was that the competition couldn't really compete, right? Yeah. They didn't have the skill set, and they didn't have the resources, the internet, just to be like, okay, I know how to sideboard now. Because if people showed up and didn't know how to sideboard, that was already that was already a misplay inherently. Your yeah. deck is just going to be. Inf- not only do I think your deck's inferior when we sit down post board, it's going to get more inferior. Yeah, you're not sideboarding correctly. You're just bringing in the you're bringing in the wrong cards for this matchup and things like that. Oh man, I remember people like they're on the play. They're keeping in certain hand traps in the mirror, and it's there, there's a lot of a lot of issues with a lot of things and. If you if you avoid all the misplays, if you play really clean, you can get to astonishing records like I have, how I have. Because I so, have a few friends do the same thing. Once, you're, once your deck is clean like that – because I actually want to call Sean's YCS win essentially undefeated. The only person he lost to was the guy that won the last YCS, which is your best friend.
0: And made the and deck. And
1: he's playing the same deck, and you know his deck. And he's, he's just going to be that much better than you. Yeah. And it's just like there's nothing you can do. We're playing the same exact deck card for card – what can you do about the guy that just won the last YCS is undefeated currently. And not only is that the case, he didn't even care about the match. We were both nine and zero, guaranteed for the top. He, he didn't care much about it. Yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted to, because the, you know how it is. Yes. I know um, exactly
0: how it is. Cause you won on your first I, top, right?
1: I, cause I, I appreciate it very much. Cause I, I won the YCS in Dallas and you know, you're doing your, your, your huddle around with your boys and you're walking around. And then I, I bump into you and you're like, welcome to the club. And instead of it being like a bunch of haters in the corner um, saying stuff about the kid and, oh, he has no regional tops. Oh, look at his sleeves that he right. used and things like that. So uh, to clear that up, I didn't care about regionals because I didn't care about $20 mat. Um, and then the <laughs> sleeve, that was the first YCS, I believe, that made us re-sleeve and top cut.
0: Oh, to yeah, they used the to do top. that. I top with Dragoonides, by the way. And for people who yeah. care, this is uh, the event that Sean Kuvert won after Nazar won. I played Dragunity because... I had a chip on my shoulder. This is a real quick story. Sorry to cut you off, but a real quick story. I had a chip on my shoulder about being known as just the guy that played Gravekeepers, right? So I didn't. I didn't want that to be like the only success I ever had was oh, you just play Gravekeepers and like you never topped again. You just disappeared. So I was like, I'm going to top with a different deck. So the very next event was Dallas. I played Six Samurai. I scrubbed out. The next event after that was Draguny. And I actually topped with it. And then I started to think, oh God, now they're going to say he's the guy that only plays field spell decks because Jagunity played field spells. That... So I so I, I, had like this crazy mindset where I said I have to top with a different deck every time. So then after I topped with Jagunity, After I taught with Dragoony, I switched to agents. And then I did X Sabers. And then I did, you know, and I just kept changing. Like then I did Plants and then Kara Curry. Like I just kept changing my deck because I had a tip on my shoulder about being known as you're only good with this one deck. So I totally get it. Like you won Dallas, and then you were like, I want to do well at the next event. Because one winning on your first top, people already think, like, oh, you're a random because at the time, like technically we are randoms, right? So people who are not from the tri-state area, like New York, New Jersey, Philly, they think we're randoms. So they're like, This is a random person. He beat my favorite. Like, Billy Brake lost in top four of Charlotte, I believe. And, like, they're they're mad. Like, they're mad. Their fave just got beat by some guy who they do not know. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like a chip on your shoulder to, like, drive you to do shit, like, go 10-0 at the next event. And then almost win it until you run into, like, Empty Jar.
1: Like, it's crazy.
2: something silly like that. Yeah. It just, it just reminds, reminds it was, me of somebody was, calling Hansel a random in the was, Nationals. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It was a plethora of things. It was the sleeves. It was like the Luigi hat I wore in the interview because I didn't take it serious. It was just all memes, yeah. right? And the people are like, yo, this kid's memeing. There's no way he's good. Yes. He got lucky. Samurai's is a luck sack deck, etc. So then this image gets imprinted into the, the back of their brain. This kid was lucky. He was bad. He never talked a regional. How do you win a YCS? You've never talked a regional. So then they go that he's bad and lucky.
0: Then it gets then it grows after that, though. You know what comes and after then, that.
1: And then once it goes, okay, there he's bad and lucky, and that's the truth I believe and choose to believe. I then top the next YCS and my man's wins it, and then top another few, top national. And then there's there's news. And now that because in the back of your head, it's I'm bad and I'm lucky. <laughs> now that I've showed I'm not bad or lucky, what is it now? Oh, he's a cheater. Yeah. Right. Because they can't go to be like, oh, I can't just reverse what I said and say he, he, he was bad and lucky. <laughs> I can't say he was good and played well. You can't say that now.
2: You can't. No, you, can, you, can't you can never you say way. that.
1: I'll, I'll give them that. I'll give them that. The, I understand how humans work. You can't just one eighty. It's so, so sad that we're like this. Though, why are
0: humans trash? Why are humans right. just trash? Right. Then they, they
1: then they go, oh, he's cheating. And I, I was like, okay, I'm not a cheater. Prove this, right? And and once my name gets big enough like that, once I slip up once. And this is the part about the judges and the Konami staff in general. This is the part when when they want to do something, they'll make it an example. of it. Yeah. The reason I'm banned and not that and not the other guy, the other random, is because if my name's on the list, it means something else. That means yeah. I don't play for money at the tournament. So they, they take that and go, okay, we've got Nazar doing some shit, ban his ass, and then people will understand we're serious. So you ban a random, no one knows, no one cares, no one even knows the story, but. If you ban me, there'll be videos and stories. It'll be YouTube videos. You know, know several, several. How many YouTube videos are about me? Crazy.
2: You know what else is really fucked up about that is after you get banned, right? Then... People will start saying, "Oh, now people know you're a cheater, even though you didn't get banned for cheating." Right. People are like, "Oh, he got banned," so now, without even knowing why you got banned, they hear you got banned without knowing the reason you got yeah. banned, and now yeah. in their heads they know you're a
1: cheater. Everything, everything comes full circle for them. They go, "We thought he was a cheater, and now he's banned." And yeah, cheater, exactly. So you know, other crazy happened. thing. This is something that I hate
0: when people get banned in Yu-Gi-Oh. If I'm not mistaken, and if you're listening to this podcast, correct me if I'm wrong, but it always says, no matter what the fuck they did, unsportsmanlike conduct's cheating. Mm. It, I'm pretty sure it like always says that. like Every single time I've ever seen somebody banned, I feel like it always says something along the lines of unsportsmanlike conduct cheating. And I'm like... Well, this guy I know did not get banned for actually anything Yu-Gi-Oh related. He, for example, like people have blown up hotel bathrooms with firecrackers in Yu-Gi-Oh's mm-hmm. history. Like that has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have done dumb shit like pull a fire alarm, and it'll like mm-hmm. it'll still just say unsportsmanlike conduct cheating. I'm like, that is that just like the only option in a drop down menu when you're putting the it, list it, together? <laughs>
1: it's it, it just formatted that way, I suppose. Yeah, it's just really but weird because then, and, and and that's another thing. People get banned. For something that's not at the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament or Yu-Gi-Oh related, and that's just that's just the Konami staff flexing their muscles, because that was a person that was known. So when you ban someone that's known, you you take your authority and you really shove it down our throats and say, "Hey, listen, we can do what we want to who we want. Work within our frame, work within our parameters, or you'll get banned as well." Yeah. we understand how this game is. It becomes your life. The other and- thing
0: that I was going to say, and I'm surprised you haven't said this yet, is uh, so when you were bringing up the judges. And this is just i've been a judge before as you you've probably seen me in my judge uniform coming to a, philly I wouldn't
1: call you a judge. yeah I, I, wouldn't, I if i cook one meal i'm not a chef right but just because you put on a judge shirt and go to philly i wouldn't call you because you're not a judge you're, yeah. you, you're a player that judge is for tournament. Th- they,
0: that's exactly right so i've been a judge before and i know firsthand and i, I love judging i actually enjoy it like judging the philly regionals i've never judged really anything else maybe like a delaware tournament and a jersey tournament but basically if it's not in the immediate area I won't judge it. And I never judged a YCS because I'm a competitor. So you're correct. I am not a real judge in a sense of like judges who go to YCSs. I will never forgo competition to be a judge. I just won't do that. But when I was judging, you know, you come across some judges who are obviously they're human, right? So they're biased. So they'll hear something like Nazar is a cheater. So then they'll just talk about it, right? Like, that's just a thing that people do. And it scares me to think about the idea of the people who are the judge at the tournament being biased against you already before anything even happens like that is a scary thought to me it's always been something that kind of scares me because people the internet can just say anything right like the internet can just be like that guy's a cheater or i played them and this happened and they what's crazy is that and you know this people can be completely wrong like the guy who accused me of cheating in 2012 there was a there was a crazy uh when providence i think it was providence 2012 so chris leblanc wins um i get to the bubble i'm on the last round I'm playing as a kid. I'm playing. I think I'm playing windups and he's playing gadgets and you were there for this or you remember the story because I called the kid out on Facebook and he got destroyed, but it's because he said I was cheating him, right? So this is game three. We're going into game three. I shuffle his deck. Don't do anything crazy. I just shuffle his deck. He shuffles my deck. We, we present each other's deck. He turns his deck upside down and he says, you stacked me. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He turns through his deck. He turns, like, upside down, and he's like, look, there are gadgets all at the bottom. So he calls a judge, and I'm like, well, first of all, that is just, like, what happened, like, with the natural shuffle. I don't know why you think that, like, I put your gadgets at the bottom, but I was like, if I was cheating, wouldn't they just be at the top? And so he's like looking stupid, like the I eat ass face. Was, was it
1: like six gadgets at the bottom so you can't open one or something like that, or is it like no? Four? It was
0: just like four gadgets at the bottom. He, well, played-
1: he draws one. That's great, right? And yes. he doesn't more than one, uh, that. Wow, okay. Maybe you know what it was? I've had that. I've had people sit across from me, and they're they're very paranoid because they hear something about it. Yeah. They, they don't know what it is. They 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 believe something. Cause I've had people look at my sleeves excessively. I've had I've being a person. And and he was just in denial and shaking his head. And I was like, it, it, he said it felt like he got cheated. I don't know what that feeling is like, but I, <laughs> I, I, I toured him t- I t- so smooth that he was just like, damn, I didn't think I was going to lose his game like this. And it just felt, I don't know, overwhelming, excessive, whatever it was. He lost really bad. He, I guess he never lost like that. And He just said, wow, it feels like I got cheated. So yeah.
0: this guy calls the judge over. Judge comes over. Judge is like, I don't understand what the issue is. Like you have... Gadgets on the bottom, there's gadgets spread out throughout your deck because, like, the deck wasn't shuffled after he flipped it over. He just like flipped it over, showed me the bottom. There's a mind you, this is the last round. We're at the top tables because whoever wins this is supposed to top. So, there's a crowd of people behind me and behind him. There's a ton of people, it's top tables. Everyone's here, so everyone's watching. And this happens. Judge comes over, he's like, Okay, well, I'm looking through the deck, and like, yeah, there are four gadgets at the bottom, but then there's just gadgets spread throughout your deck. You play nine of them or whatever. So, then the guy appeals because he really, at this point, he's like, If I beat Frazier, I top. Like, that's what's on his mind. And I okay. could tell. I was like, oh, he's gunning for a game loss. I was like, he's it's trying to... A
1: game loss. He just he, he he took his presented deck and flipped it over and started just showing cards. Up. So, Paul I, comes can over... Can I ask
2: a question real quick? Go ahead. Does this ever get brought up in the story? How does he know the bottom four cards of his deck are gadgets? Like, isn't...
0: Well, he turns it over, but, but you're not supposed to do you, that.
2: And that's... But yeah, that's you that's can't done. go look at your fucking deck now. So, like, you but, can't shuffle your deck and then look through it.
0: So, I was about to get to that. The head judge comes over now. The head judge goes, well, what happened? You know, the judge, the judge already explained it to him, but you know, the head just has to hear it from us now. So I explain. I shuffle my opponent's deck. We're in game three. Uh, whoever wins this is most likely going to top this event. And I think that my opponent is blatantly trying to shark me or do something weird to get a a match. I'm I'm telling this to the head judge and the guy's arguing back. So the judge tells him to be quiet. Let me speak. So I'm like, I think my opponent right now is trying to give me a game loss because it's game three. It's a lot of pressure on the bubble. Whoever wins is probably going to top. So the judge is like, well, how did your deck end up face up where you saw your bottom cards? And the kid doesn't have a response at all. Like, he just doesn't know what to say. So I'm like, exactly. He should have never turned his deck over to begin with. But I was like, even so, the floor judge who came over looked through his deck and was like, this deck is randomized. I mean, you can draw four. It's not out of the realm of possibility. If you fucking play nine gadgets, you can draw four of them. Or that four of them can be on the bottom. They weren't even in his opening hand. And so I said, and this is probably dumb, but I was so angry that I was like, honestly if I were fucking cheating this kid, they would be in his hand. Like, I don't know why he thinks that four gadgets on the bottom of his deck is somehow me cheating. But I was like, any bad hand I've ever drawn with gadgets, mind you, I played gadgets in Edison YCS 2010 or SJC 2010. And I went nine and two and got 35th place or 34th place. So I loved gadgets. I played nine gadgets in my deck. I know what it's like to draw four gadgets. So as this kid is telling me that I stacked him and put all his gadgets at the bottom, when there's four at the bottom and five fucking spread out throughout the deck. I was so angry. I was like, if I wanted to cheat, if I knew how to fucking do what he's saying, they would just be in his hand. And then the judge was like, calm down, calm down. I was like, no, because this is ridiculous. Like, this guy's trying to get me a game loss because we're on a bubble. We're going into game three and he's just making shit up at this point. And then obviously after everything is said and done, the head judge is like, okay, I'm going to have you guys both shuffle. I'm going to stand here and you're just going to play out the match and that's it. So we both shuffled, presented, we played. He ended up winning. Fair and square, nothing crazy happened. I was playing windups. I drew fucking awful that game, and then the best part about this story, the best fucking part, is that Get 33rd, please.
1: he gets thirty third
0: He gets thirty third fucking place. Yes, yes. And I, I posted. I, I took a picture of the actual standings, um, and I'll never forget this. And this is this is where my malevolent nature comes in. Mind you, I'm much younger. This is ten years ago. This is twenty uh, no, twenty. I love
1: it. Dude. I was there with you. I so this is
0: this is ten years ago. So you oh, know dude. how they post the standings. Everybody runs up to it to see, and then everybody runs away. There was one guy, after everyone walked away, there was one human being by himself looking at the standings. So I look over.
2: It's distraught.
0: I walk over to the kid who I just played in the last round, and I go, did you make it? And he goes, <laughs> no, I got 33rd. And I just fucking smiled. I was so happy because I was like, you tried to savage me and for nothing for a YCS top. It would have been his first top. And you literally lied and tried to savage me. And that's exactly what you get. That's what I'm obviously I didn't say that to him, but I was just thinking it. But I was so happy because like one, I felt very vindicated at the fact that the judges literally investigated. Like the judges did their job. They investigated. They were like, this doesn't make sense. Also, why did you turn your deck upside down? Like we're still trying to figure out
1: why you turn your decks up. yeah, he just he just took his deck and... No, that's, that, that should have been a game. It was insane.
0: There. The whole thing was insane. Um, the people in the crowd were vouching for me. Like, uh, Frazier didn't do a single thing. Like, he just shuffled his deck. We watched. He didn't... I don't... So I have this thing, Nazar, and I, I did this a long time ago. Like, after I won, I realized that I didn't want to be labeled as a cheater or anything like that. So I shuffled people's deck face down. I've been doing this shit for over 10 years when I play Yu-Gi-Oh! If you ever watch me shuffle, I'll do the shuffle where I literally do not turn your deck on its side because I hate when people do it to me. I hate it. I literally, if you turn my deck on its side to look at my bottom card, like I will literally grab my deck back, randomize it again, and then give it back to you until you do that again, but without looking down this time. Like mm-hmm. I-, I am super anal. Everyone who's ever played me has like known that I stare directly at you while you shuffle my deck. I look you dead in your eyes. And if you look down at any point, I take my deck back, I shuffle it again. And I'll tell you to do it again without looking down. I am very aggressive about it because I hate the idea of Someone trying to manipulate the randomness of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like mm-hmm. you cannot manipulate the variance. So I don't like to pick people's deck up on the side and shuffle and all that stuff. I just do this little face-down shuffle that I do, and I'll give you your deck back. So I was doing that, and for him to say that like I fucking magically David blamed his deck, I was so angry. But yeah, that that was okay. my like little aside about uh about Maybe, Yu-Gi-Oh and just how people just I don't say anything. Think-
1: I, I don't know if he if he actually wanted to savage you like that. I don't know because his plan sounds so bad. It's terrible. Uh, it was a terrible maybe, idea. Maybe he was that nervous and everything got worked up and he was playing against a YCS champion that's playing super smooth and clean. And every, I'm telling you, it happens. Where yeah. I, you beat somebody and everything's super smooth and clean. It doesn't look like reality. You don't look like every other opponent, so they have to think something's up. Why is it so different? Why is this person playing so clean? Why is everything coming out so fast? Why is it? Why is he so confident in his play? Yeah. The way you present yourself, the way you carry yourself is going to give that impression on people. That's that's all I've gotten from people is that kind of impression. Where it's like, why is it like this? Why is he – why does he – why does it feel like he's propelling himself so much higher yeah. when he's actually playing this? Why is he – because like you're taking it more serious. You have a cleaner mat, better sleeves, shuffling better, more courteous all those things he yeah. does some egregious he does some egregious thing like that obviously he's not used to opponents like you where you're good and, and you play against other good people and the match is like that and it's a gentleman's match and no one's savaging each other things like that happen you know yeah people get trusted, People are clean but then you get those people and things like it's happened to me it's happened people have just said things and um one guy called over a judge and just wanted us to get deck checked before the match and things like that before the match yeah we sat down, and he, he didn't sit down. By the way, he was already talking to the judge. Sat down. We got deck checked that round at a at a regional. Wow. Yeah, he just wanted it.
0: Yeah. See, that, that's the type of stuff yeah, that makes me. He, I mean,
1: he—I didn't ask him anything about it, um, but he said, "Oh, I just wanted to make sure because I felt like my deck list wasn't whatever it was." We were like five and zero at a regional. Yeah. Um, he he decides to deck check himself now. I think he just wanted to beat me and hope my my sleeves were marked and didn't want to play against me and get cheated and lose i guess so came back clean um and that's what he <laughs> had to hold that there's there's a lot of things like that you, you'll you'll notice that and when even at locals it happened like that I, I had a guy do that and he and it's it's amazing to me that people think that there's so many cheaters like that even at a, a, like a local level there's almost no prize what do we yeah do we that, that is price. crazy Regular real Yu-Gi-Oh! like YCS. The prize isn't really
0: it's not worth uh, cheating, guys. It is just right? not and worth the, cheating. The reason
1: for all of this is is just as as competitors if you wanted to compete, you wanted to be the best. You wanted yes. people glory. To we play for they fucking wanted, glory. You wanted people you wanted people to ask for your advice and your opinions. And that's what you wanted as a professional Yu-Gi-Oh player. You wanted you wanted that kind of status. If you cheat, you don't even have that in your confidence anymore. If you actually don't have the glory in your head, nothing comes out of it. Because you don't even you get anything. You get like a PlayStation <laughs> and some prize cards that you sell for like up to a grand maybe. The first yeah. ones I sold for like nothing. Oh, was like, oh, you and me both,
0: card. you're holding the same prize cards I got right there in the left. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they were worth nothing when we sold them. And now they're cool. worth... Tens of thousands of dollars, but that's, sure.
1: that's sure. you know, I'm that's besides bet. the point. Yeah, but when I'm we, sure.
0: when we won them, they were trash.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got, I got, I got close to nothing. Sean got better than I did and whatever it was, it, the prize, you were we never, we fun. never, never get, play Yu-Gi-Oh for prizes. You Everyone you who's never, ever played Yu-Gi-Oh Yu Gi Oh for fun, friends and competition. Yes. If you're going to cheat, what's the point? What is the point? Cause there's no prize to win. If you're going to cheat, play, play a game. And uh, I'm not going to say that, but play a game like poker where the, the, the money actually matters. Yeah. I know what Maybe you mean. Like I'm not saying go be a professional poker yes. or something like that, but
0: but like it's, it's not it's worth not, your time and fucking not, effort yeah, to are, do it you for
1: for pennies and the glory isn't real and because if you never get caught, no one's gonna credit anything to anything.
0: Real quick, yeah. I, there's two things I want to say. Uh, one. For the people listening, we do have a Patreon-exclusive episode on literally cheating. The entire episode is on that. You can uh, check that out on Patreon.com. Look up I Am Nerd Podcast. But yeah, there's a whole episode on cheating, and we actually list a couple of cheaters in Yu-Gi-Oh's history and like stories that I've witnessed and stories that have been told to me and all kinds of stuff delving with cheating. So if you're interested in more of this type of conversation, check that out. The other thing I was going to say, though, Nazar, is that when I listen to you speak, from your old mindset when you used to be a god, it sounds to me like your skills translate into modern Yu-Gi-Oh, actually. Like, I think you would be good in modern Yu-Gi-Oh. Obviously, I'm not advocating for you to come back because I myself still don't play modern Yu-Gi-Oh. And I just think that like my life has been better since I stopped playing modern Mm Yu-Gi-Oh. But I do think that the things that you speak about, about how you play, how you think, how you deck build, all of those things translate into what makes people good right now. Because I still follow the game, I don't play the game, but I still understand the people who are good and I understand why they're good. Um, I understand why they're the ones who are topping. There's always going to be a group of people who top almost every event, right? Like that, that will never
1: change. The, the best like, players, I think, are, are winning more now than before. They are I actually think the game. The game. I don't think the game is better. Uh, I've seen it. And I don't know too much what's going on. I know some cards like Nikita, yeah, with, just a.
0: Fa- it's faster. It's just faster.
1: Yeah, so it, it seems like it seems like the best players. Like look at our la- latest national champion. Yes. Right. So. If, if you were good back then, you could still be good now. 100%. The fundamentals, the fundamentals are going to be different, but the, the the raw skill will still be intact. Everything that, from the deck building to the sideboarding to the actual play to the reading of, of the person and the body language and everything like that. And, and even the pattern recognition of, of, of figuring out how good he is. And that, no one really does that. No one really actually figures out – and because so many people go, oh, I lost to a Obama. I'm like, yo, I go to these locals, and I'm so good against bumps. I know how to play against them. Yeah, That's a big skill because most people – the reason I, I went – I have went undefeated a lot of times in Swiss. And the reason is because most of those people in Swiss are so bad. How many bad players do you play against at why is this? Fred, when you sit there you say, oh, I'll play against uh, uh, Sean and Steve – all day to play test. That's such bad playtesting. Cause yeah. you need to go to your locals and see what those guys are playing and how you go to play against them. Cause those are those are the guys at the YCS for the most part. I mean I Around play local locals.
0: Seven. When I was at the height of my career playing Yu-Gi-Oh, I played locals multiple times a week. And my locals had very good players, but it also has some really bad players who to this day have never beaten me. But those mm-hmm. players are valuable because they teach you how to play against bad people.
1: Yeah, I, I had that I had that my locals weren't very competitive. We had some good people but for the most part, it was literally, literally drooling, drooling around. You need,
0: like, huh? you do need both, though. I think, like, you, I think it's important that you do have someone to kind of push you and bounce ideas off of someone who's very good, and also, obviously, people who are trash and play decks. Like, one of the funniest things to me is when a pro player in Yu Gi Oh plays against a deck that is like off meta, some random bullshit they've never seen it before. They have to read all the cards, but like me, who comes from a local where. I play against those decks. Like I play against the crystal beast player, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know how crystal beast I actually know all of their effects because mm-hmm. we have a guy, and this is just an example, but the hypothetical, we just have we have a guy who only plays crystal beast. So when we get to a YCS and you play against a random guy playing Crystal Beast, I know wow. what I'm doing, but then you see some people struggle against them, but they're really good players, but they don't know how to play against like shitty people or shitty, yeah. shitty decks. That is always one of the funniest things to me. Yeah. But like R-
1: round one, round one at the second Dallas, I played against um What it was like the evil sword deck, like it made Lagia and Dolka, but didn't use Rabbit. Oh,
0: evil sword, like the actual reptiles,
1: yeah. So he he was playing that, but a guy at my locals probably played that. I remember shout out to Santana, the greatest in the world. Um, (laughs) he played that deck, so I and he played that at Nebs, which is one of the locals uh, I used to go to, yeah. And you, I I don't even think I played against him, I just watch the deck and see the combos and know what's going on, and that would be good enough, yeah. You just play against these random things at locals that will. That will beat you at a YCS, and you you paid three hundred dollars for a flight and one hundred and fifty dollars for a hotel, and and you took week a week off of work to go here, and then you just sat down and lost Evil Swords because you didn't know what happened. Yeah, and we have the reality of it, and you have to be prepared for all these off meta decks, and you don't know what to do because now you don't know how to sideboard because you you copy and paste it a net deck, and you watch a YouTube video. We told you to play against these four or five decks and how to side deck. Now you play against Evil Swords, you don't know what to do
0: yeah no it's crazy i uh we have a guy and he's not bad but you and you might even know him but we have a guy named gus at our local and okay you know gus everyone knows gus so gus 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 plays random decks all the time Mm -hmm. right and he's competent enough to beat you with the random deck so like for example right now or i should say a couple months ago he was playing a machine deck because there's a new machina card there's a couple new cards for machina but the deck got a buff to make it more modern like and, and it can just kill you so him and steve were actually playing against each other. Steve was playing the new punk deck when it first came out, uh, doing the crazy punk combos, and, and Gus was playing his machine deck. And Silverman could not get a game. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this machine deck you're playing? Like, what is going on? And Steve was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, there's an, they have an Honest. They like, a fucking Earth Honest that's searchable that brings himself back every time you kill a monster in battle. So, like, literally you use it. Imagine Honest said, discard his card, gain the attack of the other monster. And then when, when your monster applying this effect destroys a monster in battle return this card to your hand that's what it says like this I, card card is fucking he was honest, yeah. fucking card is crazy right so like yeah. he's beating steve they're going back and forth and i was thinking to myself this is an example of a situation where you could play this at a ycs like if steve played this guy playing that Machina deck at a ycs he would have no idea what's happening he would have gotten too old and be like yo the Machina deck might be nice i have no idea what to do i don't know what to side like he just killed me but it's mm-hmm. important that you have these experiences and gus is one of those people that around our area he always plays like right now because it's new and it's expensive. He's playing sp- uh, Sprite, but the second Sprite becomes the absolute best deck in the format, he will not be playing it. Mm. Like the second it, like, when we get to a, a YCS or whatever is coming up, that that deck is legal. The second that deck is the best deck. He's like, all right, I need to play something else. And then that's how I end up learning a lot of the time these random off meta decks that like people don't know how to play against. And you get to a YCS, and then you play against it. It's like I actually know how to beat the shit out of this deck. Like for example, Yang Zing mm. deck misses timing on everything. Yeah, yeah. I have I, a guy locals who always plays
1: that, that, just te- if you just have the technical knowledge of how to like MST and flip torrential at the same time or yep. something like that. Yep, you know how to just like board wipe them and stuff like. That. If you just have the technical play, you could beat these kind of people. And then if you just have the fundamentals to 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 learn how to play against the bad decks and the bad people, yeah, you'd win a lot of rounds because most of your opponents gonna be bad. So if you practice at locals. Don't fight against the pros, because those aren't the people you're playing every single round. One through seven, you're going to play against like six people that don't know what's going (laughs) on. You know what I'm saying? And then if you want to be 7-0, you're going to have to beat the one good player.
0: You know what's interesting?
1: You just have to know how to beat the bad person.
0: What's interesting is that I've found the longer I stay undefeated, the easier the tournament is for me.
1: Yeah, because you're playing against better people.
0: Like, if I am 6-0 at any event, which has happened a couple times... I feel like those are my easiest tops, whereas when I am I lose round one or two, it's not difficult because, oh, if I lose again, I'm probably out. It's difficult because the people I play are fucking, I play like some of the craziest players when I'm X and one, but when I'm literally undefeated, I play against a guy and I'm like, how did you make it? How did you, Who are, point the five people out who you beat. Like, please show me the five humans in this room that you beat with that deck playing the way you just played me. Because it's it's like baffling. You'll play somebody at 9-0, and you're like, how the fuck did this guy be 8 what's,
1: what's happening is he's playing against the other people that aren't as good as you. Yeah. And they don't know how to play. He's playing against Steve that doesn't know how to play against the machine that... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's playing against things like that. It's and crazy. You now, if, you, if you have the experience in the actual fundamentals to be a bad player, it's easy. Because so I've seen that a lot. I've been... I've, I've finished uh, day ones of says in Nationals um, undefeated a lot it's because people... Are are so bad <laughs> so bad and, and once they get to six oh seven oh and they're feeling confident and great and because now they're not as tight. Yeah, now they're more comfortable with it, they're happy, their friends are coming over, you know, yep. giving them a high five they're at table bitch, one, table, you know what I'm saying? Oh shit, table one, and then they get to a feature match, and this is where I excel because they choke and I, oh, shine I forgot about feature
0: light. matches. How do we not talk about feature matches?
1: But you have to bring up ours because our ours is amazing. Um which and, one the one in uh, Dallas? Dallas yeah yeah that and, one got a
0: lot of that was the whole room was yeah. there
1: yeah, the whole room was there we can talk about that
2: let's talk about that after this um a, a lot of these people- wait. hey before we Hold on I want I want to point out that the podcast started with a question that has not been answered, mm-hmm. and that's and that's that's why you don't play Yukio anymore. What Konami did to you in your second band. So okay. before we do the next topic, yeah, got we got to round out the first question. Okay, that's okay. crazy. Let's, let's
1: get back. Okay, let's okay, let's get back on track. Okay. <laughs> so that was the first band. So I, I was banned for a year. Not re- that was the I, first band. fucking <laughs> crazy. I, I reapplied after that. Got got back in um the second band and this is this is why i think judges most judges are, are assholes because they, they they just have this authoritarian mindset where they have they're they like just, police yeah they, and police have the same mindset too so but in reality all they are is just like a fat Oh player in a shirt right it just says judge mm-hmm. and but they, because they see me okay. and now they can flex their muscles and say if i do something um egregious to nazar the then i would feel more powerful because yes. i could take this high status man and embellish something into him and whether it's a ban or a punishment or making him go from here or there or not no. making him walk so i'll tell you what it is now okay i went to a regional and jersey it's me and sean of course what year of our friends. is this uh, 2014 i think quote okay. He was playing, my friend was playing cool for it. Yeah, that's, that is, that is
0: 2014, 2015. I remember
1: remember what happened was he didn't pay for a scout. And then me and Sean started talking about that. Um, So he's, he's six and one, seven and one, something like that. Um, And he's on the way to doing well at this regional Mm -hmm. and he in game three playing against his opponent. And he, at some point doesn't pay for scout. Me and Sean are like, did he forget? Is he being greedy with life points? Whatever it is, we're just talking about, it. you know, a, a few feet away from the match. And there's a judge watching the match and the judge knows who I am. He knows who Sean is. He already said something to us before. Oh, Hey, how you guys doing this, that we're talking about the match. I guess maybe the judge overheard and said, um, to stop talking. I took that in the, in his tone and the way he said that I, I didn't take it lightly. I then say, okay, I won't say nothing, whatever. The judge starts talking about the match to somebody else. I then tell the judge, stop talking. He doesn't take that very lightly right as well so now he needs to respond and be petty with it right. uh, he he was throwing his power around i said listen just because you're a Yu-Gi-Oh player in a shirt doesn't mean i give you shit about that i don't really respect you um i'm already at the tournament i don't really care what they do yeah so what they end up doing is uh getting the head judge involved and then getting my friend that was in the match dq'd uh they tried to make me shown uh my friend uh louis Hondo. Uh, tried to fill out the forms and stuff like that. I was like, "Yo, listen, I'm not filling out any of these things." You know, neither of my men were out of here. So he gets DQ'd. He he won that match too. So he he was like six one seven one, and he goes up to the pairings the next round, and his name's not on the list. So they don't even tell me he's DQ'd yet. He goes up to the judge. He goes, "Where the hell am I at?" And he goes, "Hold up, let me get somebody else." Head judge comes around, calls me and Sean, tells us that I go, "We're not signing this." Uh, long behold, a month later, we're all banned. That's absurd. I- and and just by and just by association with me, Sean gets banned, and my friend gets banned. I was playing a match, and that was just because of my interaction with the judge. Because I didn't really care. I was already quitting Yu Gi Oh. Mm-hmm. I know what could happen. I didn't actually realize. Um, just by association and proximity to me, Sean would also get banned.
0: Yeah, obviously you would um, if you knew that your friends were affected. To the judge, you got, he, he got
1: changed. banned because what it ended up being was. Uh, because me saying that to the judge doesn't get me banned. What, end, what it end up, ends up being is he exaggerates the story. Of course. was cheating for my friend when I was talking to Sean. And he said, oh, he was telling his friend to pay life for Scout and stuff like that. And that that wasn't true. Um, so I get banned for cheating. Sean gets banned for cheating. And he gets banned for cheating. And uh, this is my second time getting banned. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I've already lived without Yu-Gi-Oh for a year. Um, I'm sure I could do it again. I was already getting more into video games and stuff like that, so I came back another time. And as you grow and as you really develop and and see what life is, you don't have time for card games, and you realize that even if I did actually love Yu Gi Oh, because I love Yu Gi Oh as a game because of the people in the community, yeah. I hate the actual I hate the actual like organization and how corrupt the judges are. Because uh, I, I came back again, and I. I think it was YCS Chicago. And I went nine and two. And I had really bad tiebreakers. And I knew that because I lost round one to some bum. And as they're calling down the names, me and my crowd are all like, oh shit, are they going to call? We get to like 25, 26. We're at 30, 31. We're all holding tight. Hopefully I made it. 32 gets announced. It's not my name. Yeah. Head judge then goes and in 33rd place. Oh shit. The only person. With the qualifying amount of points to not make the top cut, Nizar Sarhan. And they just single me out there. And this entire tournament, I probably didn't even have a single judge call. This entire tournament, I've just been playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. And I get 33rd, and they then decide to single me out, maybe to embarrass me, maybe to make it look a certain way, maybe to be like, ha-ha, fuck you, you know. Wow, and kind of like how you did that to your opponent, and, and but like the, your opponent savaged you, so you yeah. did, you had the right to do that, and it was it was it was great. It was just it, it was um. So just it's show.
0: safe to say you've had some very unpleasant exchanges with the judges, and like honestly, Absolutely. just Yu Gi Oh events. Because I was wondering where the tone like. I'm going to just say the bitterness has come from and the way you talk about like the judging staff and the things, but the things that have happened to you, like what you're telling me in this podcast, honestly sounds fucking crazy. And I would be every bit as angry as you are, because it just sounds like you've been treated differently.
1: So like my first ban, my opponent that's also playing me for money doesn't get banned. Yeah. Which is absurd
0: already. That's already like enough for me to be my second ban
1: was, was exaggerated because a judge wasn't able to, I guess, tamed me at that time and then made it so my friends had to get banned. So it's not like, oh, he got banned twice. He's cheating. Oh, he's a bad person. It's just I don't respond well. You've never been banned Mm -hmm.
0: while playing somebody in
1: in an actual
0: YCS match. Like you have not been banned for a deck check. You have not been banned for a sleeve.
1: I've never gotten banned for something in tournament. I've always gotten banned because something outside of the tournament. And that's what I'm saying. They pull their muscles to make an example because I'm not even a Yu-Gi-Oh player at that time, whatever tournament I was at, I was already dropped and I was just in the room yeah. And, and respected. Me talking, yeah, and then me talking to Sean and then the judge uh, feeling that way about what I said to him uh, when acted acted in, in that situation, because he didn't pause the match when me and Sean were talking and say, Hey, you can't talk or Hey, I think this guy's cheating because you got advice after the match was said and done. And the sign was and, and the slip was signed. They then went back, uh, did something they they I guess um DQ'd him and gave the other guy the win uh and then posted to the parents like that and then try to ban us and got away with it. And that's that's just been my experiences. Yeah with judges. you're
0: speaking from and, this and, is your and truth. And, and the judges
1: look like look at me in that way um because of all the rumors, because of all the things, like the sleeves, the Luigi hat. Uh, the no regional tops, the winning out of the blue. He's What's the sleeves?
0: You've mentioned the sleeves like eight times now. What's the yeah, sleeves? Had,
1: like These like 5Ds sleeve or something. Some like blue eyes dragon sleeve or something like that. I had some like little <laughs> kids sleeve. They weren't the PC whites.
0: Okay. okay. So,
1: like, the top top. And <laughs> you had that, young ball sleeves. That was the first YCS they started doing that. Yeah. Maybe the product wasn't moving. They were like, let's just get these let's just make PCs. the product
0: oh, wasn't right. moving.
1: <laughs> right. So like now it's on pictures in the, in the yes. feature match all the, all the things that are, are selling a PC wide. So yeah, now it's on pictures of the, of the feature matches. Oh, I want to be like that guy that's in the top cut. Makes and, sense. Marketing. These sleeves. and so they're doing things like that. So then they see this young kid with no regional tops, no credentials at all, no other tops at all using these sleeves. They have to assume I'm just a lucky kid. And then, and then once I make it, so it doesn't seem like luck. Cause I keep uh, doing other things at other events. They have to then go, he's cheating. Cause they, you couldn't go back to the so everything just came full circle to give me a bad image. Uh and the and the judges took advantage and and they could exploit their power. And here I am. And that's why um they're all like that. It, it's the same thing. Anybody because like what's a what's a what's a judge? It's 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 a it's a Yu-Gi-Oh player that wasn't good enough and didn't want to compete, because that's way better than being a judge, being a competitor. You, you flew there and you got nothing. See, you, you'll fly to a YCS to judge and get nothing as compensation. For you to go to work and, and fly, you're going to get nothing. What, do you, what did you get for judging a YS Packs?
0: I actually don't know 100%. I'm not even going to try to guess because I've never done it. I know the one thing that they usually get if they traveled very far to kind of help with it is a is a special mat. But as far as what product they get, like how many packs, I genuinely have no idea because it's never even been a slight thought in my mind to judge a YCS. Like I just yeah. have never even, it, that does not speak to me. Again, I'm a very competitive person. I'll play Yu-Gi-Oh for the glory. So every time the idea of judging a YCS has come up, obviously like, I decline. Like I just, I'll pass.
1: So I, I, I do believe because judging a YCS seems like it's such bad EV that the only real payoff is the, the, The badge you wear, the shirt you wear that says "Judge," you get to tell other Yu-Gi-Oh players (laughs) or peers what to do, where to stand, what to say, when to get up, when you can't get up, and things like that. And and they ask you questions, you tell them the answer. That's what they want because they were probably just like a fat Yu-Gi-Oh player that sucked and said, "Oh, I want to learn the rules and and do all these things (laughs) I can tell these Yu-Gi-Oh players." Because at no point, at no point, could could like a a sloppy bad Yu-Gi-Oh player ever best me. But if you put on that <laughs> Konami shirt, that judge shirt, you have a chance now because you have authority. And I'm just a player. And that is and that's, so
0: that's, good and
1: happening with How many notable players have gotten banned as opposed to just the randoms? the ratio is not even there maybe one out of every 100 player 100 players is is actual notable player but maybe 10% of the list is known people
0: yeah i would say a lot of it is known people i mean when i look so at it,
1: there's something about it. when you're known you're more prone to getting banned so once that's the case it's not just a a justice system where we ban cheaters and ban people that are stealing and ban the bad no it's if you're known we're going to make an example out of you bro at one point going.
0: Billy Brake was banned at one point, yeah. Jeff Jones was banned. It's crazy. And honestly, those are two players that I don't think that they did anything. Well, I know Billy got taken off after a, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple days. Mm-hmm. Like he was banned and then and then he got unbanned. But that the fact that Billy was up for consideration to be banned, like, you know, me and Billy have had our differences, but at no point do I think that Billy is some kind of savage cheater or or would do anything to mm-hmm. collude or anything weird like that. Billy loves Yu-Gi-Oh! more than probably any human being I know. And so like when he got banned, I said, Oh shit, this is like they'll they'll fuck up. like anybody can get
1: it. If Billy no, Brake can, can, can get banned you, from when Yu-Gi-Oh! You ban somebody, when you ban somebody of that high status, a lot of people are gonna hear about it. A lot of people oh, it spread. A people...
0: bro, that was the talk of the town for like a month. For yeah, a month, so, Billy Brake being banned was like the biggest story in like the that, world.
1: They're going to respect the other people are going to respect um Konami even more. Yeah. whether it's here it'll it'll get it either way they won't do what billy did what, what did billy do that got banned for a temporary man i was,
0: believe so? with the story and this is all allegedly but him and his girlfriend played a match at a regional this is when the world's grind you had to play regionals to get like world's points or whatever um so him and his girlfriend played a match and i believe that before the match even started like they had she had already said like i'm not Playing, I'm not gonna win or whatever, and just signed a slip or something like that. Uh, and so he won, right? Like he won the match mm-hmm. before it even started. Whatever, whatever happened, he won before it ever started. And I believe that they played the match anyway, just for like funsies. And a judge misinterpreted it as though like they tried to change the result of the mm-hmm. match and like say, like, oh, Billy won, but then Jack, like maybe Jackie won, or when they watched a the, the fake match play out, something along mm-hmm. those lines. Uh, it's very hazy because it's years ago, but I remember something about him and his girlfriend playing a match and them saying that he tried to change the result after it was already determined, like in which is cheat, like that is considered a form of cheating is colluding. It's like, oh, you have better tiebreakers. I'll give you to win instead. We'll split the prizes. That type of thing is basically that type of collusion, uh, hypothetically, but that's essentially what happened. And it was all a misunderstanding from, cause I mean, they unbanned him in a couple days or weeks or whatever. Um, But it was a misunderstanding and it basically spread because you have people who just take a story, whistle down a lane, and then it just transforms into something so fucking crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. It just becomes a monster. Like, and this is what happens with people's reputation. It's why it's one of the things I don't like is like people's reputation can literally go from being a, a perfectly normal, clean player who no one knows. And then they win an event. And then all of a sudden, This guy is, like, the biggest cheater in the world. Everybody's Peter Chang after they win. It's, like, it's (laughs) insane. And you know what's annoying is that this year, 2022, everyone who's won an event before Hansel has pretty much had some kind of witch hunt happen. Like, literally, I've had... uh, I don't want to butcher your name again, Joe, but Joe Dietrich, I think is his name. Um, Joe Dietrich was on this podcast, and he had a witch hunt. Uh, And then, apparently, Hani, who was his opponent, who the incident happened against, there was a witch hunt with him. And then after that, the guy who won, I think, Elijah Green, there was a witch hunt with him. And it's just been this thing where every time somebody does well and wins one of these YCSs, I keep on seeing the Yu-Gi-Oh! community talk about all of this shady shit, and I played them in round six. And it's just like... It's annoying because I don't remember it being like this. Like people used to just be able to win and go about their business. And now it's like, nope, he won. He must've been doing something or the, here's what the other thing that happens. And Yu-Gi-Oh and people, I guess, when you're spectating, everyone's a perfect player when you're spectating. Like everyone's the yeah. best player in the world when they're spectating. But when right. you're actually playing a match and you are deep in the top cut and you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for two days straight, uh, day one ended and it's fucking midnight, and you gotta go out to eat somewhere, and then you still gotta get up at 7 a.m. to get back to the venue at eight, and all sort of stuff, and you're fatigued, and you're it's Sunday, you're now in top four, top hell. eight. I, oh, I missed that. Oh, hundred percent. We loved it, but People don't talk about the fatigue and some of the things that happens when people are fatigued is that they forget very basic things. For example, uh, there are matches and and these are recorded matches, right? Where people have procedural errors. They do things like forget a mandatory search or they do things like they just, they just forget mandatory triggers uh, and both people will forget or like something will just happen in a match that is technically an illegal play, but nobody caught it, including the five judges who are watching, right? Mm -hmm. Five judges watching, you know, they're all there. I'm not really sure why, but they're all there. No one catches it. And then after it's all over said and done, you know, people who are at home who are spectating, who are perfect players and the best players in the world they, like, review it. It's like, oh, my God, right here. He could have done this. He cheated. He cheated. He cheated. But I'm like, yo, you realize that cheating means intent. Like, in order for someone to cheat, they have to have intended to do it. If they did not intend to do it, it's not cheating. People make mistakes. I don't give a fuck how good they are, how many years they play Yu-Gi-Oh! Everyone is possible to make a mistake where you literally forget something in a procedure and it's now a procedural error. The game state is now fucked up. Because both players didn't catch something, and it could be something really small, like the one that uh, Joe Dietrich had, I believe, was his monster was hit by Forbidden Droplet or Forbidden Oh Forbidden Chalice. His monster got Forbidden Chalice, and it became higher. You know, Forbidden Chalice gives the monster 400 attack. 400. Well, there's a Link monster called Almirage that says you can only link summon this card by getting rid of a getting rid of a monster that's like a thousand or less. So he summoned the guy that was a thousand, and used this effect. It's a like effect. His opponent went activate forbidden chalice and the monster now is the effect is negated which is the intent of using chalice right everyone is just thinking about oh he used it to negate no one's thinking about the attack power so then the opponent then takes the 1400 monster and links into almirage does full combo after that right like he does his full combo and no one caught it the judge is watching it right. like no one caught it and people were like oh he's a cheater he's a cheater But i'm like do you realize that at that moment the only thing that both players were thinking about was i want to negate that monster's effect. Like they yeah. literally forgot that Chalice gave 400. And yes, that is, you know, that is their fault that they forgot that Chalice gives 400, but I'm telling you, it's not intentional that the guy went into Al Mirage. Like he didn't do it like, Oh yeah, let me, let me see if he catches me. And like, I'm going to go into this monster. And if he tells me I can't yeah, yeah, do it. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure. So it's just it's one of those things. It's easy to say that from a stream or something like that. Yeah. It, it gets popular. It catches wind very fast. So I, I understand that. They, they do things like that. All the
0: time. Then on the other hand, you have shit like Peter Chang. And
1: <laughs> oh, I, I knew him personally, unfortunately. And yeah, nah, he, he was like an egregious cheater. He well, tried to cheat locals it's, and stuff like it's that. It's in video against me. I, I've seen him like cheat like a mentally handicapped person one time. It's really bad. It's really, it's, <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, it's sad. It's because he's so um, <laughs> he's so greedy. Um, oh, and and I and recently figured out, why he was because he was a he was a ubi vendor and i and i figured out why he was so greedy and wanted to always win so many packs and make so much money and I, I do all these things he actually has a substance addiction oh not. yeah
0: okay
1: yeah and um I have, I, that. I have colleagues that have colleagues that are friends with him or no friends of his and have mutuals and they say uh he still maintains it well listen
0: I'll say this about uh, Peter there's a very infamous match that everyone knows about on YouTube me versus him where he gets double like he gets a game loss game 1 and a game loss game 2 for basically like you know doing stuff that is illegal he,
1: he, he's so used to doing things like that he just gets away with it cuz like he goes he, like he's he goes and he's good against bad people too but for a different reason cuz he knows how to cheat against bad people
0: Yeah I always say that the best cheaters in Yu-Gi-Oh They just cheat. They call them fish. Like I I learned this from another podcast, the TCG experience Shout out to Jake Quincy. Um, But they, they call them fish. Like the regular people who are not known players who are not the best players, the people who you just play rounds one, two, three, and then sometimes round seven, because who the fuck did they beat six rounds in a row? But like they did it. Those people are called fish. And so they just cheat all the fish. Like, if you just, oh, who are you? Like, where'd you come from? Whatever. Like, oh, this is my first YCS. Like, that guy's getting cheated. Like, <laughs> that guy, 100%, Peter is going to sit down and be like, yeah, so you're not yeah. winning.
1: Yeah. He, he, he'll make sure of that. Yeah. He, he used to do things like that. We caught him on camera once.
0: Well, that's um, that's the thing. In that match, he's on, it's being recorded. And he just yeah,
1: like. He was on cameras on locals once, stacking and stuff like um, that. It's, it's funny it's quite funny
0: for those yeah. kind of people. Yu-Gi-Oh Yu-Gi-Oh is a crazy game, but I mean I I love it. It's given us a lot of good memories and like you said, we play it because of our friends, because of their traveling. Man, because of the glory obviously because the prizes are it's never been about the prizes. We we didn't even hey, get you anything. Play,
1: you're playing the wrong game. You shouldn't yeah. I should not even say hey play Magic because the prizes there are a lot better than Yu-Gi-Oh, but if you want to play cards for money, Hogwarts the game.
0: I always you. said that too. I I tell people stop saying play Magic cuz the Magic one it's gotten worse like they Basically, yeah. just to the power
1: creep and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it, it exists there too. And, it, than that, but.
0: and what I was going to say is, it's gotten worse in terms of like the, You know, the pro tour is not really a thing anymore. Like it used to be.
1: Like no, they, they've completely pro, pro tour is a scam from the rip anyway. It's was so it? hard to get there and maintain. Yeah, the, the dream they sell, and the reality that it is, you have to play so much and spend so because like you have to make you have to make decks for so many formats, at yeah. least three or four, and you have to you have to you have to involve yourself so. Heavily Because each one shifts with every pack change. And every pack change, you have to relearn um, a limited set and redraft. And you have to actually to be on the Pro Tour and actually maintain it. Because at some point, I got onto the Pro Tour. But that's because I, I, I wasn't able to maintain life. Because you have to be a full-time Magic player. I was a full-time Magic player for about three months. Holy shit. It that much testing and that much going. I, I got motivated because I saw – I watched the World Finals. And I always thought I was good at magic because I I was good at Yu Gi Oh and yeah it's another card game it's very similar fundamentals and I was watching the finals I just wanted to watch finals because the winner gets a hundred thousand dollars and that's significant so I was like let's watch this yeah and and I'm watching misplay after misplay from the one guy again Are you and watching misplays again and, 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 and it's like egregious misplay it's like obvious misplays. you know it's like. It's like, wow, how could you make something this bad? This is a
0: hundred thousand dollar misplay.
1: Yeah. And, and, and magic's easier because it's just like play land, go, play a land, go, play a land. Go, <laughs> I, play agree. A land I agree. Player two drop, that's your only play anyway. The sequencing doesn't matter. It's a much easier and simpler game than GBO. Yep. Um, and this guy is supposed to be like one of the best in the world. This is the world's finals, and he just won a hundred thousand dollars cash. And I'm sitting there watching that on a computer monitor in my in my apartment in Patterson, and I'm like, why am I not doing what he's doing and making that? Cause I was like, I know I'm better than that guy, and I know I could do it. Why am I losing? Yeah. And, and I go to it and I go, you know what? I'm probably not fine-tuning my decks enough. Because it's imagine you can't do that thing I was doing in yu gi with the playtesting, where if your opponent has the nuts, you won't even get a turn most of the time. So if they just have the perfect hand to beat your hand. You, you'll die on turn three every single time. But like, if they go laggy, I set five, you set a spirit reaper or snowman, or you might have a chance, right? you know, you go sit saying, or you go summon I you get a saying that saying, going to search reaper and we're going to live. Um, or something, something of that. Yeah. There's nothing like that magic. The, the, the game is going to be over. if They just have their nut draw. Um, so testing was harder. So at some point I just, there was a, there was a, a, a GP coming up in Jersey and I, I made my own deck for that. Um, and, uh i was on magic arena for like two months straight and i would play this thing like eight hours a day and i got so confident after i fine-tuned it after all that i got so confident i was actually willing to take bets on who would perform the best uh because the only other like real good magic players i had with me in my corner were uh oliver Tomajko. if you remember him
0: oh of course i remember yeah. oliver he yeah, went he the world
1: great yeah. person I love Is him. he so, still
0: around? So, you you still talk to him? Yeah,
1: him? I, I speak to him regularly. Yeah, that's I, I, actually, need
0: to, I need I need to cool. get in contact with him. I'll definitely bring on Oliver cuz Oliver was good at multiple games. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he because he, he he was a better magic player than I was. So he he became really big in that game. We ended up being on a team later on, but that's this is a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. So
0: yeah. like, well, nice. it's actually no, the thing is that gaming not, podcast. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: actually I actually want I have a good Smash friend I want to introduce you to. So um I I Play tested a lot for two months, and I was so confident. I was willing to take bets on whether or not I would do better than certain people. That's how confident I was. I ended up topping the the Grand Prix and uh, getting my invite to the Pro Tour and stuff like that. Then to maintain and keep going with Magic, because every time a set comes out, it, the entire thing gets broken. You have to learn at least two more formats to, mm-hmm. to maintain on the Pro Tour. And I was like, yeah, I'm a grown man with a job. Yeah, and
0: it's just too I much. can't
1: actually maintain. So I went to the Pro Tour once, fumbled it there. And I was like, you know what? This can't be permanent. And <laughs> eventually, eventually, you know, you turn 23, you turn 24, and you're like, okay, I don't um, have a college degree. I don't have a great job. I'm a successful card game player, but that doesn't mean much in, this, in the reality. In the, re-
0: in the real world, right. yeah.
1: And eventually, you just get enough business ideas, and I came across a smoke shop uh, idea. and talk, opened. Talk, and talk to us about that,
0: too. Yeah. What's the
1: name of your, yeah. uh, your shop? Blaze Smoke Shop in Clifton new
0: jersey it's in new jersey okay is that uh north or south jersey that's north jersey north jersey and where is it at again
1: clifton uh 675 van hountain blaze smoke shop you could put it into google you'd see it right there.
0: yeah yeah that's dope though you so you opened up a smoke shop and what what exactly uh what type of products do you have there
1: oh it's all smoking accessories papers hookahs um vapes blunts glass so much the the thing keeps going on because there's there's, I don't want to put anyone on blast, but there's other substances I sell for people that need things like that, like kratom and things like that. Yeah, uh, delta is really good. It's a new hot thing. It's like a legal weed. Uh, gets you high the same way and stuff like it, it's. It's really crazy. The, the, the amount of things I sell is if you're not a smoker, you would walk in and be like, "What's like ninety nine percent of these things?"
0: Yeah, that's me. I, I I'm so terrible when it comes selling. to it, but a lot, I have a lot of friends, obviously, because I, you know, I'm I'm old now and I've experienced a lot of life, so I have a lot of friends who love their their trees. They love they love all of their things to get them yeah. uh inebriated and and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that because now yeah. you know weed is being legalized pretty much everywhere yeah. and actually there's a dispensary two blocks away from my apartment like there is a really? full-on dispensary two blocks away great, so
1: great for the economy great for the I actually didn't know too much about smoking just like hookah and stuff yeah. people like Sean and stuff were like putting me on to smoking and things like that what you should carry what's this for what's yeah. that and things like this I actually I didn't have much smoke shop experience I just, I came across um, an old friend of mine that had a smoke shop and his smoke shop looked run down and dirty. There was broken glass. In places. Like shit. The bathroom didn't have a door, so it always felt like shit.
0: What? It, Not the bathroom was, didn't have a was, door.
1: He was driving like a brand new Range Rover and stuff and had a house. And I was like, yo, bro, you're... you're well, because he didn't put any money into the shop. You know this I mean? <laughs> looks like shit and it's up and running and you made enough money from this like shithole... And I was like, listen, I'm a lot smarter than you. I know business a lot more than you. I'm, I'm way more efficient in numbers with you. I'm going to be able to do this a lot better than you. And then I, I opened my own smoke shop, and then it's, it's been great. Thank God.
0: I'm, I'm very glad. Damn, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm glad for you, Nazar. I'm, I'm very glad that you found what yeah. you want to do, because I think that one of the hardest things for Yu-Gi-Oh! players especially, and this is just speaking from experience, is finding what where we belong in life outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because we kind of tend to get lost in those years while we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! is like the only thing in the world.
1: I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a lot of my. You know friends. exactly what I'm oh, talking about. Their whole a lot life. Of my friends now, listen, I talk to you guys every day, guys. You know, you know who you are. You guys fell victim to this. You guys were Yu-Gi-Oh players. We we're all Yu-Gi-Oh players. No one came and picked up the pieces. You just kind of drifted away, and then we're now sitting here in our 30s. Yes. Um, and it's not looking great, you know, because we're going to be sitting here in our 30s, and then it'll be 40s eventually. And where are we now? Yeah, you got to figure yeah, something that. out. I had I had the time to sit back and relax when I was banned and really realize like, yo, what's life without you, yo? You can still keep up. You can still talk to your friends. And I did that for a few years. And shout out to all of them for even keeping up with me. You realize you're there for the friends anyway. Yes. Maintain your friends. Still travel to events. Don't even play. Just go there and hang out. You know, keeping up the game, it's it's if you want to be competitive, sure, it's gonna be hard to keep a job or a business or a family or a relationships or anything like that if you're gonna actually be Playing and competitive. Yes, that that's yes. what I realized. I can't do hours a day. Uh, I would come home from school and, and put my book back down and pick up my Yu-Gi-Oh deck and just start shuffling and and, and playing against the, the the guy that draws the best every every game. You know, I would do that every single day and three four hours a day. Put the radio on and, and keep doing that just to get my skills up. But if I were to do that today, I don't have time for anything. I have to call someone else to come watch a shop while I'm here doing this. Podcast. Listen, it's you, you know. A good Yu-Gi-Oh player, good card game player. It and is. Real and, life. and
0: speaking uh, as, as a person who was on that grind, who was topping everything and doing really well, and speaking from one to another, it is it is difficult. I concur with that because you have to put in a lot of hours to stay at the top. You can't just pick up a deck, show up at an event, and expect to win realistically. like Realistically, it's just not going to happen. I don't care how good you used to be. Like I could not just pick up Sprite tomorrow. And be like, yeah, I'm going to go win the next event in Niagara. Like, that's not going to happen like that. I would have to play playtest for hours and do a lot of research for hours. And now that we do this podcast, which is something that I love doing, being a content creator, which I never realized that I would like yeah, this. this but fun. I
1: this hope is, hopefully I can get back on this another time.
0: hundred percent. This is something that I love doing. And I didn't know I would like doing this so much. But this takes time to do a podcast People think that we just get on here and talk, and it's not. It's really not that simple. Honestly, the episodes that are not Yu-Gi-Oh players, there's so much research that has to mm-hmm. go into it, and also absorbing content. Like in order for me to do an episode on, let's say, the boys, right? The the show is like really popular, but I have to watch three seasons of this show to to okay. even talk like to talk about it on a podcast. We we watch so much media, we consume so many things, then we talk about hot topics and stuff like that. It's just a like constant stream of. Media that you have to absorb and then be able to speak about it articulately so that you can actually have people interested in what the fuck you're saying. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point of doing this? So it's not it's not easy by any means. And I was thinking to myself, if I ever wanted to be a competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player again, something would have to give. I work I'm a full-time accountant, right? So like I am I am fully an accountant, like I've been an accountant for 10 years. I am a full-time accountant, and then I also do podcasting twice a week, and then I also Occasionally play some Yu-Gi-Oh Edison format, usually on Thursday nights. I go to locals, hang out with Sean McCabe, Silverman, Gus, all those guys, great guys, Leon, everybody. Hang out with those guys, go out to eat. That's my once-a-week thing. Get to play some Yu-Gi-Oh! reminisce on the old times, and that's it. Like that is that is pretty much the the as far as my rubber band can stretch. I know people really want me to come back to competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! But the idea of what it took for me to be good back then. It's like I think about it and I get stressed out. I think about the idea of shuffling and playing on dueling book and uh talking on Discord to a bunch of people who have all these different conflicting ideas and they're all good though. They all have tops and they're like, Yeah, this car is terrible, he's crazy. Like having to sift through all of that shit and then actually show up to the event, book hotel, book travel, like you know, book the whole thing, right? Like book all of that. It's expensive. Take it's a lot. Work. Take off of work, it's a lot, like it's a lot to me being a competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player or a competitive card player in general, and also trying to maintain a life outside of that is very, very difficult. So I agree with you when you say, like, you got banned and you realized there's life outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! and you figure something out. And honestly, it kind of is a blessing in a weird way that you got banned because one... Honestly, winning two YCS, I feel like you got what you needed to get out of the game anyway, right? Like you are cemented. Oh, yeah, no, to-
1: very, very, very satisfied with that. The, the re- actually, I needed two. A lot of people are satisfied with the one. Yeah. Uh, like like to mid, he was topping everything, yeah. and then one YCS and boom, vanished. Yep. Went all to real life, and my first win didn't feel it because so Same. many people doubted everything. People were saying, I, was like, "I have to prove this again. I have to come up and compete one more time." And especially after Charlotte, where. I go 13 and 0 and then play against Empty Jar and then lose like that. I was at the whole time just thinking, I'm going to just win this YCS. I'm on a roll. I haven't lost all day. I haven't lost yesterday. I'm beating good people, right? I beat, I beat, oh, wait. Sh- shout out to Silverman because he's a good player. But man, you played our top 16 match at that Charlotte really bad. Um, we'll talk about that at a different time. Silverman is great. Really, really, I'm really ashamed. I, I I thought you were better
0: than that, Steve. But. <laughs> so if I <we> got
1: two wins <laughs> so to, no, to leave him alone, no, leave my nothing, friend alone. Nothing, nothing but love for you, brother. I'm sure he's been on this podcast, right? No, no, we haven't had Steve no, on. Yet, so I, I haven't someone. had any of
0: my... So anyone who lives next to me, so like Gus, Sean McCabe, Steve, Ty, like all of my friends who live really close, I have not had any of them on. And it's really because I have access to them at any time. So for me, it's a little harder to coordinate with people who I don't live next to, who I don't see at locals all the time. Whereas if I ever needed like an emergency episode or like just a, a real quick favor or something, i could be like, yo, Steve hop on the podcast with us. It'd be really easy. He's down to do it literally whenever. So yeah. I'm in no rush to get my like closest core group of friends. You know what I mean?
1: Word. Now, yeah. I-, I like, I like Steve. I'd I like to hear what he has to say. I'm sure. Yeah. Steve is great. Sure. Steve, I-
0: before the pandemic, he won the last YCS before they started doing remote YCSs. like before, mm-hmm. the, before COVID the last YCS champion was him. Scott Page. Shout out to Scott Page. He was in top eight at the first,
1: the first uh, thing you won. Shout outs to my man Scott Page. That's Scott right. Page is
0: great. He was in the top eight, I noticed, and, and uh, he's playing I think, oh, Monarchs. He played Monarchs mm-hmm. uh, when you won. And so Silverman, him and Dominic Couch, who's going to be on the podcast soon, spoiler alert. Uh, Dominic Couch was actually also uh, on the team with him and they won the last YCS before COVID which is crazy yeah. because Steve is an example of people like, like Hansel who can just come back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And win again,
1: yeah. That's like great. they're like that's people great. are still
0: bad, and they just want just again.
1: Keep the same fundamentals. People are still so bad. Yeah, I used to see, I actually used to watch um like Steve's YouTube videos and stuff because that was like when I was getting into Yu Gi Oh. He was like one of the latest uh, SJC champions. Yeah. I would look at that like, oh, cool, Lightsworn Judgment Dragon seems great. And I just like that kind of deck. It seemed really powerful. It seemed really fast. I love drawing cards and things like that. And I would read his future matches and things like that. And then I was like, wow, I really, really like Lightsworn. I want to be like this guy playing playing Lightsworn and winning. Um, yeah, no, great. Eventually you go to regionals or, or or events and you see him there. And it's just like, wow, it's almost like an internet celebrity. And then you finally play him and you finally meet him. He's a cool dude. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that kind of thing. Mazar, meeting people and having cool people around.
0: Mazar, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, I think that at this point we have reached two hours, and okay. we should wrap up, and then we can bring you back for sure. Let's schedule something for the future, okay. because we I still want to talk about our feature match. You said you wanted to talk about it. I have it up.
1: I, I want to talk about that entire event. That entire event was a movie. Was yeah, I want to talk about we. So all we got to talk about your first.
0: We got to talk about your first event. Your first win a lot. I want to talk about your second win also, uh, and I want to talk about more stuff. So. I want to have you back on if you don't mind. Uh, and then, you know, we could just talk again. How about that?
1: Okay, absolutely. Let me know. So, I love so, it.
0: All right. So, guys, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this. Thank you, Nazar. Um, again, what's the name of your smoke shop and where is it at?
1: Blaze Smoke Shop in Clifton, New Jersey. 675
0: Manhattan. And do you want to give any shout outs to anybody or any stores or anything like
1: that? Any, anybody, any stores, I'll tell you, where, or first and foremost, shout out to my right hand man, Sean fucking Cooper. I love Sean. That's, that's, he was the real stepping stone for me. I wouldn't be there doing it without him because he kind of got me into the group with the other guys and gave me a chance to kind of like, all right, yo, including Nazar in the travel plans. We're taking him to OASIS and things like that. We're, we're taking him to a regional, things like that. You know what so I'm saying? Because I was kind of too small and young for the group. I kind of didn't really fit in as much. He kind of said, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of fuck with you. Let's go, let's get this going. So shout outs to him first and foremost.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: that's And, and, for, store, the- and for stores, um, final turn, have Edison tournaments on some random Thursday.
0: That store has Edison tournaments on Thursdays?
1: No, I'm telling them to have that. Okay. Anyone that listens, I'm sure we're going to get a 1,000 Yu Gi Oh players to listen. Um, yes. You go to this- final turn, tell the owner... Nazar lives not too far, and he wants Edison locals.
0: This might be the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh! episode, which would then be the biggest episode of the entire podcast. I'll just tell you that right now, because Uh, I think uh, that uh, a lot of people uh, are going to like this one. We
1: we have so much. I want to talk about my man, The Lotus. Can't think about him. A whole thing Blake about, the Lotus like, McCurry you know, or whatever. You, you, you can make that an entire episode <laughs> next week or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this again. Part two is coming in hot. I promise. You haven't seen that yet.
0: Okay. Well, this is just the intro guys. So as I always say, <laughs> do the things <laughs> that make you happy. Uh, and uh, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Nazar go, get back to running his successful business. Thank you very and much, And we will have him back on the show for a part two and possibly, possibly a part three as well. Cause I think that this is one of my favorite episodes that I've ever recorded. So. There's that. All right,
2: All right. Peace, peace out, guys. Peace we out, do. everybody. Peace yeah. out. Thanks for being on.
0: Of course. <laughs> right. <laughs>